All right, because three is a crowd, I am here today, once again, with my friend, Kelly. How's it going, Kelly? You're calling in from Portland, Oregon. Am I calling in? I am calling in. I'm literally on a phone call. You're right. Hi. We are. And we're doing we're doing it so wrong because we're doing a phone call and a Zoom call because we haven't learned how to combine those two technologies <laughs> into one technology. So we're doing two. And it's worked out well every time perfectly. Never a dropped call that's ever happened. No, not at all. Uh, I, I'm, I'm okay. Work has just calmed down, which has been nice. Um, I, I don't typically talk about like diet journeys, but Stacia and I are doing mm. the Whole30 thing, which I'm sure a lot of people are familiar with. But just like keto, uh, anytime you like get sugar away from you, if you're just getting rid of sugar, yeah. your your brain and body stops working normally. It's just like I'm tired. I'm my body is weak. I uh, I can't finish a complete sentence, uh, and I have no idea what's going on. So it's gonna if if this is gonna be a struggle. <laughs> so get ready. Incredible. You you heard it here first, but maybe it's it's appropriate for this episode that we're gonna be doing. That your brain is a little bit. Out of out of whack. Maybe it'll make things better. Who knows? I'm Daniel calling in from uh, where I am, which is uh, a bull run, I guess. I'm back in Virginia. Uh, we are 3,000 miles apart, and we're podcasting on a phone and a Zoom call. Wow. In case you need to know. And Kelly, this is season six. Is it? This is the beginning of, yeah, of the sixth season. We started doing this in 2017. Yeah, but see... That's why I get con- yeah. That's why I get confused because it's five years, six season. But that makes sense. It's like birthday. But then you just do it on your, you just do it on your fingers, <laughs> and then you get there. But once we start, once we start getting up to like the tens and elevens, you know, then it gets hard. Because then you're like, well, 2017, 18, 19. I, because I'm with you. I totally understand. It's it's fucking weird. Because it's birthdays, right? It's like if I have my birthday, it's I'm starting my whatever year of life, but I haven't lived that whole year of life, right? So it's like we're starting season six, which is the fifth year because we haven't ended season six. After we end season six, we will have done six years of the podcast. You see? You see? Right. Okay. Because we're about to celebrate the five-year anniversary of our first episode, but we are starting the sixth season. I hope everybody has been riveted by this, and I hope (laughs) that this was worth it. Gary, our newest patron, uh, I was going to shout you out during Christmas, Gary. but I'm going to shout you out here. So you get to you get to open season six. Uh, thanks so much, Gary, for the messages and just uh, signing up for the Patreon, which you guys can do. Patreon.com slash SOTW pod for a dollar, for two dollars, whatever. You want an episode? We'll give you an episode. Thanks, Gary. That's what we do here. Gary got this episode. Thanks, Gary. Is this a good one? Yeah. I think this is going to be a great one. <laughs> I, I, I certainly hope so. Uh, what are our credentials and what are we even talking about? This is a Bob Dylan podcast, Kelly. And I listen to Bob Dylan, and I have been listening to Bob Dylan for most of my life. You, Kelly, have roughly heard the same number of songs as the lowest frequency band in kilohertz that amateur radio operators are allowed to transmit. And this week, we listen to 1983's Infidel. Is that an AM thing? Is, is that a ham thing? Said it was a natural situation. Then it reached too high, tumbled back to the ground. You know what they say about being nasty people on the way up. Sooner or later you might meet them coming down. But it's too late to bring him back. Too late, too late, too late, too late, too late to bring him back. That's the lowest frequency band of kilohertz. But what do, what do we, again, we just talked about we don't know anything about sound. What? How are we going to start talking about kilohertz? I don't know, man. What do you think we're broadcasting at? We're not broadcasting. We're on the we're on the radio. We're not 
podcast. We're on the radio. <laughs> Since the radio in our Tell mind. me how many kilohertz. God. How many tel- kilohertz am I doing right now? I don't know. Some in amount. <laughs> in amount. Well, that's fair enough. <laughs> Welcome back, Kelly, to season six, as I said, of Sign on the Window. We are talking about Infidels, 1983. Shock of shocks. We've we've talked about Infidels a lot on this podcast. You can go back to multiple episodes and enjoy our content on Infidels. We've listened to half the record, Kelly. Yeah. Before we get into the context, which we're going to you know talk about a lot of stuff. We're going to talk about not only the songs that we've done, the four songs that we haven't done, but we're also going to look at you know some of the big hitters that everybody talks about when we do Infidels. But before I get started with the context, Kelly, what was your initial view. And I, I maybe want to talk about it in two ways. One is how do you feel about Infidels, the album itself? And then how do you feel about the songs that I put on there that could have been on the record? Those five songs are Blind Willie McTell, Foot of Pride, Someone's Got a Hold of My Heart, which we have heard before, Tell Me, and... Lord Protect My Child. So this, listening to this album makes me nervous to listen to Blood on the Tracks. I have to say, oh. honestly, listen, man, the whole shtick of this podcast is do I even like Bob Dylan? And mm, I don't know. It's going to be my answer at the end. Fucking spoiler. We don't have to do You know what? But you, Blind Willie would tell was supposed to be the last episode of the series, so it doesn't matter. The podcast is going to end after this episode. It's just a destiny. My my official <laughs> opinion on Bob Dylan is, eh, I don't know. And uh, Blind Willie McTell, I heard it now. So everything's over. Um, I, I was like, this album's supposed to be good. Uh, is it? What if it's not, right? I don't know. It just feels like it is. I feel like this one gets bandied about often. I feel like this one, Blonde on Blonde, uh, Blood on the Tracks, those are the ones, man. So it's like, I don't know. Mm. I mean, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say that that's true yeah? at all. No, I don't think it. No, Infidels is not is definitely not bandied, bandied about the way that Highway 60, anything from the 60s oh, are. People, I mean, every every time he releases a record, it's always the best since Blood on the Tracks. This got the same praise. Yeah. Best since Blood I on the Tracks. I saw that in the Wikipedia article. But that, that almost for a means nothing. Yeah. No, I think, I mean, every time we've talked about this, we've done Sweetheart Like You, we've done Joker Man. The thing I try to emphasize the most is like, it is a flawed album. And the stuff that he left off is now more legendary than the stuff that was put on. And this record, I can't think of a whole lot of other albums for any artist that have a level of like, you know, you can just fight about this kind of stuff all day. You can fight about what is this record even doing? What does Infidels even mean? Some of these songs feel essential to the DNA of the record, but if you take them off and replace them with other ones, it's a better album, but it's not Infidels anymore. <laughs> so what does that mean? Right. You know, like what was Bob Dylan trying to do? What is he not trying to do? And I want to touch on all of those things, but I don't think it's fair to say that people, I think people, Bob Dylan fans have a high opinion of it because it is a weird record, but nobody's under the illusion that like Man of Peace is any good. Like these oh, songs okay, suck. Good. Like they're not good. Good. They're trash. All right. Great. And that's kind of like that's why Infidels is a weird record because I love listening to four of the songs, three of the four that we've listened to, and of the four songs that we haven't done, I think three of the four are clunkers. And so we're like, we've kind of done the best of Infidels, and that's why I wanted to introduce these other songs that could have been on Infidels. And hopefully that's a little bit more illuminating and we can start to talk about where they kind of fit in with the songs that we do. So you were under the illusion that this was like a great album. Yeah, and you're I guess like, so. what the fuck just is Man of Peace? Yeah, 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 just because it's like, it's all that. It must just be the potential. This is like the ultimate what if album, apparently, right? So it's, I, I think that's all it was, is like having 
some knowledge. I can't say no knowledge anymore. I do know some stuff now against my will, maybe, but I know it. And so I, I, I get that. I get that. That's, that's always a fun thing to do. What if shit is always fun, which is why it's like fun to have arguments about it and just like talk about it ad nauseum. But like, you have to look at the facts. Sometimes you have to just like, this is what actually happened. No matter how much it was supposed to, the fan head cannon was so much this way and the extended universe, whatever, whatever. But the actual piece, man, you got to examine that. And uh, it's not great. <laughs> final answer <laughs> there's i i feel like uh if you include the five songs we're talking about there are three undeniably great songs okay. and then that's okay. it so three out of 13 F- fair enough and i think that that is probably shared across the board um and some people even less so some people are really 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 unforgiving of it and if anybody says that there's like a masterpiece it's often you know the predictable ones joker man or sweetheart like you but like uh, you know, uh, people are weird, man. There's wild people out there that love Man of Peace. And it's like, this podcast will never reach these people, unfortunately. But I do want to walk you off the cliff. If Man of Peace is your favorite song, I want to walk you back. <laughs> Come back. Please. All right, well, let's get into the songs themselves. So before that, we'll do a quick um, overview of just kind of like what's going on. So before Infidels, Bob Dylan, you know, we did Shot of Love. So, I mean, we're pretty primed for this. The last Dylan record he did was Shot of Love. That was the final Christian record. Uh, I think that Shot of Love was a really revelatory album for me and you both to listen to. And I think we genuinely had fun. We enjoyed it. I think that album was weirdly more enjoyable in some ways than Infidels. But it was the end of his Christian period, quote unquote, his born again period. Um, So he's kind of searching for what to do. Uh, A couple of people approached him to record, to be a producer on this record. Uh, And these are also part of the lore of Infidels. Uh, Two of them in particular, David Bowie and Elvis Costello. Costello probably would have been pretty straightforward, but I mean, he was huge at the time. You know, that would have pushed him more in a plugs direction, which is what we're going to get to in a moment. Um, But David Bowie could have made this a weird fucking record. Oh, yeah. I should have said that at the top. I blame Mark Knopfler for everything. (laughs) Fair enough. And well, and there's and that's another legacy of this as well. It's like the production, the quality. It's his first digital only record as well. Bob Dylan is not a studio person. The dude spent a month in the studio. We'll get to that in a moment. But those things also contributed to how bad it sounds to what's going on with Bob Dylan, what is happening. But anyways, we have two different people. We have David Bowie, what what a cool thing that could have been. Elvis Costello, maybe a little more traditional, but probably really cool in the 1980s. And a really cool story. We'll get maybe get into this on some other occasion. But hilariously, Frank Zappa as well was somebody that could have been uh, here to produce. Uh, there's a great story from Frank Zappa. Um, in December of 1982, Bob Dylan walked up to his house. Frank said, quote, I get a lot of weird calls here and somebody suddenly calling up saying, this is Bob Dylan. I want to play you my new songs. Now, I never met him and I don't know his voice. How do you not know his voice? But I looked at the video screen to see who was at the gate there in the freezing cold was a figure with no coat and an open shirt. I sent someone down to check to make sure it wasn't Charles Manson, but it was him. So then he played the songs for him. And then this is from Frank, quote, I asked him if it had any Jesus in it. I said, do these songs have the big J in? And he said, no. But when I took him upstairs to give him a sandwich, my dog barked at him. I told him to watch out. My dog doesn't like Christians. And he didn't laugh. <laughs> and that was it. Sent him on his way. 
Um, Zappa was a known perfectionist too in the studio. So that's another thing people talk about is, you know, Bowie would probably be cool and spacey. Costello would have been, you know, the tight, you know, new wavy pop punk, whatever, you know, what's going on in the 1980s. But Zappa, who knows what Zappa could have been? I think that's a bullet dodge. I think that that if he's yeah. somebody who wants to command the studio and Bob Dylan's already a stubborn, very opinionated person, that that wouldn't have worked on that end. And also, yeah, man, it, they, I, I already have issues with avant-garde jazz bullshit and a lot of Frank Zappa stuff is fucking unlistenable. So I think that if you have someone who has very strong ideas and another person that even if you can work together, I think you're going to come up with garbage is what's going to come out of that. So probably more than likely idea. or or Bob would just totally strong arm the whole thing. And then, you know, you're getting no help. And it's just like the id of Bob Dylan, which I don't think is always going to be the best for musical sensibility, especially in this era. Um, and you could even say that like someone like Mark, I mean, there's interviews with him where he talks about the flaws of the record and talks about the flaws of Bob Dylan being somebody that's hard to produce and hard to do stuff with. So if Mark Knopfler, who is like kind of here hanging out, having fun, is having a hard time, then you can imagine it would be tough, even for a Bowie or Costello. They've got their own thing coming into it because they are stars themselves. But no one's going to outstar Bob Dylan, I guess is the point. And one way or the other, they're going to get fucking cut down to shreds, regardless. Because Bob Dylan, for, for all intents and purposes, for the next year or two, is still the A-list number one ticket on any festival you're going to find. You know, Live Aid's coming out in two years, and he's the top of the top of the bill. The entire concert, he's the last one. So it's like he is still the biggest pop star on planet Earth. So good luck, Frank. You're not going to walk him off the cliff. The other big what if is one that you have been enthused about and I've talked about before a couple of year ago came out during the quarantine was um, Daniel Romano did a record. He is a, a great artist. Uh, the album is called Daniel Romano's Outfit Do parentheses what could have been infidels by bob dylan and the plugs imagining infidels as the plugs the plugs being of course the band that he went and played live on david letterman uh they rehearsed in the uh, they rehearsed in his studio in malibu in his garage in early 1983 in the fall of 1983 uh recording demos and various songs and they could have absolutely have been the band you know they played some of these songs on david letterman what a huge missed opportunity. And probably that's where the Costello for me is like Costello with the plugs and all of that. I think that would have been a pretty cool album just in 1983. Oh, yeah. But you listened to Daniel Romano's outfit. You bought it. And what, so what do you think about that? Because I know we enjoy that type of music. And to imagine infidels like that is like definitely a dream of mine. I would have loved it to have sounded like that. So I completely forgot that you had said this came out. Um, and there is a scene in the show Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Okay, there is a one of the detectives has to take uh, their captain's husband into a safe room because he's under threat of getting murdered or whatever. And this guy's like a really he's like a college professor and he's very like cultured, blah, 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 blah. And the detective, Jake, he's like, I love Die Hard. I love Nick Cage, blah, blah, blah. So while they're in the safe house, they have no access to the Internet or anything like that. So he just brings his entire collection of Nicolas Cage movies <laughs> and makes this poor guy who's like, you know, I only read books. I only do this, you know, whatever cultured cultured guy uh it makes him watch all these movies and then so you know shenanigans ensue at that and the, at the end of it he um they're out of the safe house whatever and he's jake's like grabbing his dvds he's like oh captain corelli's mandolin i forgot about this one this one's a piece of crap and he's like what did you say there's a movie with a mandolin in it he's like yeah it's about like a tortured you know whatever the classical music he's like there was a movie with a mandolin in it. You didn't let me watch it. And then he's like, well, yeah, that or like leaving Las Vegas, which is like a tortured artist thing about, uh, you know, 
that one Nick Cage's Oscar and he just like starts screaming like how fucking dare you not let me, you made me watch you know fucking Wicker Man and you made me watch all this stuff and that's how I feel about this album as like one I'm mad at Daniel because you never told me and then I remember you told me now I'm not mad at you anymore and then two I'm mad that this isn't real because the entire time I listened to this album uh I was like there is so much potential here hey I was right on the nose the whole time because the lyrics are solid in every single song. Like, even Sweetheart Like You, which we talked about at length. Th- that's why I'm particularly mad. Because Daniel Romano's version of this album, that is the best song. Undeniably, hands down, Sweetheart Like You is a fucking masterpiece. It sounds like a Buzzcock song. It's fucking fantastic. And I just like, how dare you not let me listen to this <laughs> i think this might have come out either like right before or right after we recorded the episode so it's okay that we didn't get this as part of our reference material but like yeah it's so good and absolutely worth listening to i will say a lot of it is just kind of sped up versions that are pretty faithful to the tracks so they're not significantly different and I, actually in one or two songs i was like i prefer the fucking infidels version which you know i, I don't why i don't know but uh yeah. It's it's so good, and I paid money for it, and I don't regret it. So absolutely, yeah. go to Bandcamp and buy Daniel Romano's outfit. Do the blah 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 blah, the longest album title of all time. Do Infidels. <laughs> they are the end. Yes, yes. You know, he spent the whole month uh, doing this record. He began in April of 1983 on the 11th and ended on the 17th of May 1983, which is rare for Bob to spend that much time in the studio. There were 19 total sessions at the Power Station in New York City. Um, and as I said, it was completely digital, um, engineered by Neil Dorfman, produced by Bob Dylan and Mark Knopfler, of course. And we've talked about the crew often, and I do enjoy a record that has a consistent crew. So I will say that has it going for it, at least to me. We have Bob Dylan, obviously, is Bob Dylan, Mark Knopfler on guitar, Mick Taylor from the Rolling Stones on guitar, Alan Clark on keyboards, Robbie Shakespeare, who just recently passed away, R.I.P., on bass, and Sly Dunbar on drums. We also have Clyde King singing on Union Sundown. Full Force, which is the the backing group, doing uh, a couple uh, some overdubs here and there. Sammy Figueroa um, is overdubbed on "Don't Fall Apart on Me Tonight," uh, and then there's a, a version of "Neighborhood Bully" that's never seen the light of day that features Lawrence Elkin on guitar, but also Bob Funk on trombone. So we have lost control at that point. That's the final session of the entire infidel <laughs> session when the trombone guy shows up. Oh, so man. who knows? Never heard it. So who knows? It could be totally not even real. Who knows? Uh, the release of infidel. So the record was released on the 27th of October, 1983, just in time for Christmas. Tony Lane and Nancy Donald designed the record. There's no photographer credited for that cover art, but more than likely it's Sarah Dillon. She took, we love Sarah, you love Sarah, Sarah, you love her. Um, She took a bunch of photos inside of the booklet. Um, So if you get the record, you can see a photo of him on Mount Olive in front of Jerusalem. Um, They went to Israel as a couple. They're not together, but they went for their son's, son Jesse's bar mitzvah, which was actually a couple of years late. Why is this called Infidels? I want to uh, move us into the Kurt Loder cursed interview here. Uh, we I did mention this during Sweetheart Like You, but it bears repeating here on the record or on the um, on the episode about the album. Bob Dylan, when asked, why is it named Infidels? He said, quote, well, there were other titles for it. I wanted to call it Surviving in a Ruthless World. But someone pointed out to me that the last bunch of my albums I'd, I'd, I'd made all started with the letter S. So I said, well, I don't want to get bogged down in letters. And then Infidels came into my head one day. I don't know what it means or anything. Of course not. Of I, I don't know what words not. are. Uh, and then Loader's like, 
bro, imagine if I'm a record buyer and I'm going into <laughs> the store and I pick up this record and I see your face looking at me and I see the word infidel and I think you're talking to me. What what do you say to that, Bob Dylan? And Bob said, I don't know. I could have called this album Animals, and people would have said the same thing. I mean, what would a term that people would like to what is a term that people would like to hear about themselves? I mean, I don't know any more about it than anybody else. I did it. I did the album and I call it that. And what it means is for other people to interpret, you know? If it means something to them. Infidels is a word that's in the dictionary, and whoever it applies to, to everybody on the album, every character. Maybe it's all about infidels. That clears it up. I don't know what it means. Also, maybe it means everything. Have you thought about that? <laughs> I just love it's like dripping with like Kurt Loder. Shut the fuck up. Oh, I can't. I don't think about this stuff. I don't care who's picking up the record and who thinks that I'm talking to them. Shut up. <laughs> uh, the reaction to infidels was mixed. And I think it's like it's again, it's 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 something that has uh, become more popular with Bob Dylan heads over time. But I think it's generally regarded as kind of a weird failure, like a great mediocre failure. Uh it was number 20 in the in the U.S. It was number nine in the U.K. It's a technically a gold record in the U.S. as well. Uh, Graham Locke of the NME uh, called Bob Dylan a culturally spent force. Uh, Robert Criscow said he, that Bob Dylan, quote, turned into a hateful crackpot. Brian Marcus hated the record. Uh, Michael Gray hates the record. You know, it's just a lot of like, why did it even exist? What's going on? But it was commercially pretty successful. And some of the sounds are pretty cool. It's just like t- typical Bob Dylan stuff. It's like really long songs in a world that wants three-minute pop. You know, the 80s were like the arrow for that. And the great rockers, if you will, like the um, Bruce Springsteens and the Tom Petty's, like they fit into that world way more than Bob, who's like doing a fucking seven-minute reggae song. Like, what are we doing, Bob? Standing on the water, casting your breath. While the eyes of the idol with the iron head are glowing Distant ships sailing into the mist You were born with a snake in both of your fists While a hurricane was blowing Let's talk about the songs, Kelly. Now, as you know, I usually rank songs. I have a little ranking for each song that we do for every album. If you'll remember, we didn't do rankings for the first couple records, but for like Highway 61 Revisited, I gave out a harmonica, the harmonica oh, awards. Yeah. Empire. I was like, what the fuck are you Empire, talking about? <laughs> Empire Burlesque, I did the status update uh, based on the, te- the 10 stages of grief. Right, right. And then for Shot of Love, Never Forget Shot of Love, I did the pepper, the pepper rating. Oh, so, so every song was raked <laughs> by peppers. Yes, of course. And, and then this one is going to be an infidel rating based on Billy Sunday, who was a televangelist. Well, I guess not a televangelist. He was a evangelist back in like the 1940s and stuff, like a Billy Graham type character uh, who was huge. And he wrote a book called The Who's Who of Infidels. Oh. Um, so I'm just going to take the infidels, the famous infidels, according to Billy Sunday, who said, quote, hell is not a college where you enter the freshman class in sin and degradation and graduate with wings in your senior year. Okay. All right, Kelly, let's start with the first four. We'll run through them pretty quickly because we've already done them all before. Uh, the first song is going to be, I'm going to do it in the order that we recorded these these songs because we are the most important people in the universe. The Absolutely. first Infidel song that we ever heard was Union Sundown, episode 34, recorded for, remember, Woody Guthrie Month? The great Woody Guthrie Month. Uh, it was yeah, so long, long ago. time ago. 
impossibly long ago. My infidel rating is John Stuart Mill. Billy Sunday said, quote, because they, including uh, Rousseau and Voltaire, rejected Jesus, they will be in hell with the thugs and the thieves. John Stuart Mill said, quote, a person may cause evil to others, not only by his actions, but by his inactions. And in either case, he is justly accountable for them for their injury. Uh, he recorded eight total takes on it. Um, for what it's worth, he recorded this song after he did the version that we heard of Lord Protect My Child and right before the version that we uh, didn't have on this playlist, thank God, of Death Is Not The End, which is also oh. an infidel song that um, has some drums this time, Kelly. So it's, uh, it's, it's I would say it's more punchy, but it's not. It's not. <laughs> Kelly, what did you what did you think revisiting Union Sundown? Of course, we hope to intend to revisit a lot of these over the next coming years. But what's your initial uh, view on Union Sundown? Uh, I mean, it's just money for nothing. This is a Mark Knopfler song. He was just like, hey, it seems like you're a little tight for ideas musically. Can we just put a Dire Straits song on here? Is that okay? And Bob was like, I don't fucking care. I'm so tired. <laughs> Let's just do it. <laughs> I've got uh, some got some lyrics here about capitalism. It's like, that's fine, man. Yeah, it's I have whatever. some really ham-fisted, obvious uh, metaphors that we can cram in there for mon- money for nothing and also my shirt's made in Taiwan. Right? That's how the song goes. So, I mean, it, it's repetitive, but I did not find this the most offensive track on the album for sure. No. I put it really like kind of in the middle as, as far as my rankings, which have nothing to do with televangelists, unfortunately, or evangelists. Uh, this is like a number six for me. So, OK, well, I do. I do want the full list as we go, but feel free to, to lay them out as we as we go. So pretty low. Um, yeah, I mean, I I liked it. I think when we talked about it before, we talked a lot more about the global economy and about Reagan and, you know, it's situation all basically. I mean, today. 40 years later, these are pretty much cliches. Like, you'll hear this in any sort of song. But I think it's important to go back in time a little bit. And, yeah, I mean, making a song like this, it was not typical of the time. We, we talked a lot there about Woody Guthrie Month and about union songs and, you know, went into it. So if you're interested in that, it's an earlier episode of ours, but I think it was still pretty good. Um, so go back to episode 34 and do that. And the playlist is still on Spotify, so feel free to go listen to that as well. Um yeah, I mean, I wrote here that I think that the yeah everything is still still valid, uh, but yeah, it's it's lyrically clunky and musically clunky in another way. I think it's the music's kind of boring, but it sounds good on a on a headphone. I mean, back in the day, I wasn't doing that a lot, um, but I listened to this whole record on my headphones loud. Yeah, and there were some moments that I was like, oh, okay. I say what you will for style or taste, but Nofflers are fantastic guitars. Like you cannot take yeah. that away. Uh, but yeah, it's just fucking boring. That's all, and it's. I, I'm, I'm sure we made these points in the episode, so yeah, let's not like retread old ground too much, but it's like, okay, I get, there are absolute cases to be made to be anti-globalization on a specific scale, but to just be like, this is like anything that's not made in the USA, what happened to the good old days, kind of all that bullshit, it's never. Well, and, it, and I think that's, a, but that to me is a huge way that you look at this record, because if you look at it through satire and stuff, then things like Man of Peace can take on a satirical edge that like it's it, it maybe isn't so bad i don't take that i don't think knowing what i know about bob dylan i don't think that it's satire yeah. i think that it's earnest and mm-hmm. i think that he's a pretty conservative person now that doesn't mean that you can't be right about things like capitalism and you know what it does i think that the critiques on here are generally good and correct but i don't think that they are for man of peace you know and it's like okay well now i'm confused because i don't know what's going on with bob dylan but then you know people are people and they're living their lives but yeah i do see it as more of a journalistic song and really just noting everything out which is what i think we said back in the day too it just feels like 
here's a whole litany of things. And instead of making a song like about a person or making it more specific, it's kind of like what's going on across our global supply chain. And, you know, honestly, it's just like, okay, I mean, corporate greed unions, you know, American hypocrisy, those are things that are timeless. And I guess in some way you could constantly look at the song, but I think it's been usurped by more personal, you know, songs that talk about the same thing. Next song that we did was 10 songs later, License to Kill, episode 44, the second or third song in season two of Sign on the Window, the podcast that you're listening to, available wherever you listen to podcasts. The infidel rating for this song is Antiochus Epiphanes, that old sinner, says Billy Sunday. And I'll quote Daniel 11, verse 36, quote, then the king will do as he pleases and we will exalt and magnify him above every God and will speak monstrous things against the God of gods. And he will prosper until the indignation is finished for that, which is decreed will be done. He did the song in one take April 13th, 1983. Now for a record of takes that get into the twenties, thirties, forties, incredible one stuff. Take is I will. One take is intense. Um, I don't remember exactly what we thought about this. This has always been a song that I like, but is I wouldn't say universally, but it's quite disliked by a lot of people. And I don't know why. I don't think you liked it. But how did you feel about License to Kill on the second time? I mean, it's it's slow and fucking boring, but the lyrics are good. Like, that's like the... It is mercifully short, I will say that. It's just like, it's a little too immoralizing, and it's like really trying hard to be evocative, but instead of achieving that, uh, like organically with the music because you can easily manipulate emotions through music instead of doing that which would have made this a great song objectively they just like were really making you try to listen to the words isn't this fucked up and it's like that takes it all out for me so get a real melancholy vibe up in here and actually make you listen to the words because the music's making you want to listen to the words instead of the words telling you to listen to them uh, would be much, much better. So I was a little disappointed about the Daniel Romano version of this. I thought that this would be, like, good. And he think he made it way longer, and, like, it just, it was the same thing. He, like, you really needed to change this uh, drastically to, to make the, the lyrics, which are good, stand out. Yeah. Instead of being like, stop fucking, it's so boring. It's so boring, man. I just, <laughs> it's so boring. No, that, I, I think that's fair. I think that's most people's. Critique of it for me, I'm totally fine. I kind of, I kind of love it. But uh, I, I thought this was a great segue, even just on, our, on this episode, because Union Sundown has a line that sort of segs right into License to Kill, which is something listening to this time I realize about this record is there's a lot of like echoes among the songs, which also makes it hard to talk about taking away songs for a better playlist because a lot of these songs do talk to one another. Mm-hmm. There's a line in Union Sundown that says they used to grow fruit in Kansas, now they want to grow it on the moon and eat it raw. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I can see the day coming when even your home garden is going to be against the law. Incredible stuff. Number one, incredible take uh, on the moon. I, that's hilarious. Like yeah. they're going to grow food on the moon. Uh, like Thanks for name dra- dropping Kansas, of course. And number two, you now, unlike 2017, are a home gardener. Do you <laughs> sense any future legal pushback from having a garden? Do you think they'll outlaw it? I mean. I, What's the politics of home garden? I don't 
think so. although okay so you could make the argument that we already have uh restrictions on that depending on where you live if you live in a very stringent hoa which i think all hoas are bullshit so oh and back to the union sundown thing because i can't get over it i think that we should live in the russell brand idea model of interconnected fucking communes so don't for a second think that i'm not like kind of anti-globalist too in a, in a very specific way that i think he's getting at in the song also so that anyway this so back to garden specifically so if you live in a really stringent hoa which all hoas are bullshit you might not be able to have a garden or if you live in an apartment it'd be really hard to do that too so i think absolutely we're already living in a way that where it's not illegal but it's also not permitted right like we live in a lot of gray areas like that under capitalism where well you're sure you're allowed to do that if you're wealthy enough to live in a specific area to be able to do that then yeah okay or so you were saying bob dylan's right I, always, aren't I? Isn't Soothsayer. that what we're trying to get to? Soothsayer. Isn't that the whole point of this this podcast is to like, how many steps can we take to like, well, Bob Dylan was right. <laughs> Bob Dylan was right. He was right about the gardens. He was right about the moon. I mean, they're probably growing food up on the moon and we got to eat it raw. I, now, mean, I, I bring up the moon because we had a lot of great jokes about Bob and the moon here. So obviously man f- has invented his doom. First step was touching the moon. And then I read a bunch of excerpts about Bob Dylan and the moon where he basically is like, I don't think the moon is real. I don't think that we walked on the moon. Uh, so you can go back to episode 44 and hear his, again, like weird during his Christian born again period. I don't sort think of the thing moon is, is real. <laughs> it's just wild stuff. What man. is that He's even just going mean? on about the moon. He's just going on about the moon. So if you want more moon talk, you got to go listen to episode 44. But I found it again. I didn't really put the moon line from Union Sundown together with this mm-hmm. one ever. So we are clearly obsessed with the moon in some way. Um, but yeah, I mean, I like I said, I don't think the song uh ever since we put out the episode like people just i constantly hear people are like this song fucking sucks and i'm like oh my god i, I just keep it down now i'm like I, oh yeah no I, i'd take it off the record too but secretly i wouldn't um, <laughs> you know I, but but i think you're right it's like the lyrically it's like violence environmental catastrophe yeah. capital you know imperialism you know going up on the moon to make fucking food it's like those are timeless things but like the same thing with union sundown it's like it, there's a place for like making something personal and I think the details here are pretty good and keep me compelled at least a little bit. But it's funny. Um, one of my recommendations is um, a book called Do What You Want by Bad Religion, the band Bad Religion. Oh. I think Greg Graffin wrote most of it, but um, but it was written with a with a with another writer as well. And um, I, I read that. And it was awesome. And I re-listened to the entire oeuvre of Bad Religion, which was a lot of fun. I haven't done that in a couple of years. And there's a song you probably know called 21st Century Digital Boy. Yeah. Probably one of their most their biggest songs. A lot of people were like tentative about its existence and like, oh, we don't we don't like it. But I didn't realize that there was like a backlash to the song, which I kind of feel like License to Kill also has. The backlash to the song is basically it was damned at first for being ahead of its time. Then it was damned for being too alarmist. And if you're not familiar with the song itself, it's basically just talking about the ways that technology is starting to infiltrate our world. The song came out in 1990, I believe, for Against the Grain. So it was pretty early, pre, you know, not pre-internet but like pre-internet being well real like consumer internet really yeah exactly yeah so it's like so again it's it's too too ahead of its time and then it was damned for being too alarmist because it's like oh the internet man it's so cool it's great and then it was condemned for being out of touch boomer shit like basically saying they're stupid because they don't know how to use the internet so they don't understand this would have been me in like 2005 uh, 
you don't even understand the internet. MySpace is life. And then they're damned now for like not going far enough. Like the whole thing now has totally come true in a lot of ways. And I'm not saying License to Kill makes these kind of predictions or is saying the same thing. But I feel like some of the things inside of License to Kill, some verses I think are going to resonate more depending on where you're at in time. But I think the the idea behind it and the things that are, are being said, I think reflect a mid to late 20th century decline in this country. And I think he's talking about that through other pieces of this song and he's tying it to politics. I think he's wrong about some of them because I don't agree with him, but he's also tying it to just ourselves. You know, the line about looking into the muddy water and seeing only your yourself reflected and stuff like that. It's really talking about who we are as people. And I think that's what 21st century digital boy also does. It's more about you. You can be on MySpace and be happy or you can let it consume your entire life. The third song that we did for Infidels was The Great Joker Man, our very first um, music video month. Not our first music video, but in that first year. This would have been 2018. So we're, we're taking a trip down memory lane here. The Infidel rating is going to be uh, Danae Diderot. Diderot said, quote, We swallow greedily any lie that flatters us, but we sip only little by little at a truth that we find bitter. This song was recorded in six takes on the 13th of April. Five takes and the 14th of April, we got the one on Infidels. You can hear an alternate on the Bootleg Series Volume 16. Kelly, what did you think about coming back to Joker Man? And obviously, we watched the music video too. I don't know if you rewatched it. Probably not. But No, but it's pretty vivid in my mind. I don't think for someone, mm-hmm. again, who doesn't believe in the moon, I definitely remember there being moon transitions in that video. So how dare he? Uh, yeah, I. <laughs> so when I was listening to this in your car, which is my car now, I got a new stereo put in it and it sounds fucking amazing. So I had it up very loud and it just comes on immediately. And like, I, I can't not see the fucking rainbow hair thing now every time I hear the song. Sure. But it just it's like the, the adult contemporary of it all, man. This album suffers from adult contemporary itis so often. It just like. The lyrics are so good. Again, I'm like, the lyrics are great. And you just ruin it with like this boring soft rock reggae fucking bullshit. It sounds like a song that could be in Reading Rainbow. I mean, the image of the rainbow hair does not help that. But like also, it just very much seems like you could be this song to be playing while you're reading a gentle story to a child. It's just like fucking. And that's fine, I guess, if you're into it. But I don't know. The Daniel Romano version of this song is better. And. Not significantly better, not like transformative, like Sweetheart Like You, but it is better. I would prefer to listen to their version. Um, However, if only for, the only thing that's stuck in my head so much is like when he says, bird fly high, it drives me absolutely fucking bonkers. Why can't you just say birds, man? Just say birds with an S. It drives me so- There's just one. No, no. Then you say, the bird flies high. Don't say bird fly high. It, I don't know. But thank God Daniel Romano was like, I also hate that. It's birds. Birds fly high. Thank you. Just that alone. But yeah, the whole time I was listening to the song, I was like, God, this could be so good. I want someone good to do this song. And then I had my fucking Brooklyn Nine-Nine moment where I was like, this was here the whole time. The Daniel Romano album. Yeah. So I was like, yeah. anyway. It's well, fun. and also, you know, we listened to the version from the plugs on David Letterman as well. Right, That's- right really good as well so that points to another uh, and and i quoted this on the episode from paul zolo in 1991 the interview bob said about the song quote 
this is a song joker man that got away from me lots of songs on the album got away from me they hung around too long they were better before they were tampered with mm. and you can listen to an earlier take from joker man and it's a vastly different song it i play mark Knopfler. Uh, you know, to me personally, I like it. I mean, I, I, I like it. I, I mean, there's no way to go back on it, I suppose. And with Bob, too, you know, there's there's um, talking between his other songs. There's a song called Caribbean Wind, one of my favorites, that directly sort of talk, almost like it starts right after that song, is Joker Man. And, you know, there's a whole world where Bob Dylan rides fucking boats in this era. And Bob <laughs> Dylan's just hanging around on the Caribbean. He says, uh, to the, in the cur- cursed interview from, uh, from Kurt Loder, he says, quote, it's usually either here in New York or on the West Coast or down in the Caribbean. Me and another guy have a boat down there. Joker Man kind of came to me in the islands. It's very mystical. The shapes there, the shadows seem to be so ancient. The song was sort of inspired by these spirits they call Jumbies. And those would be evil spirits. Uh, anyway, so that that was his where Joker Man came from, riding around in a boat. Yeah, okay, so this without knowing so much of the context, it, it's amazing how much of this comes through to me from the music because so much mm. of this is like gospel-y and there's reggae undertones and your fucking yes. Jimmy Buffett is all over a lot of these tracks. And it's just like, see, I think that's, I think the boat. today is infecting your brain. I mean, I get it. I mean, that's the whole point is here like today, but like Jimmy Buffett, he was rocking in the free world. I'm sure <laughs> in the 1980s, <laughs> but he is not like when you say Jimmy Buffett today, it means something. Like, I know exactly what you're saying. But would you have thought that in 1983? And that's not the point of the podcast, I suppose, because it's just our own personal feelings. But does that help at all? If you're like, this is before all of that. Does that make it any better? No, because I don't have enough. If I had more musical knowledge, which is, you know, like a failing on my part, I guess, because you do the work. You fucking listen to hours and hours and hours of decade specific music. So perhaps I should do that at some point. Who knows? There's nothing but time. And also we have no time. Uh, uh, that is true. If I had the full context of the 80s to really shape that, like what the landscape yeah. is around this, then I would feel differently. But I have only my own experience and goddamn Buffett fingerprints everywhere. They, that, that's fair. And what I what I thought about this as we were doing this is I think that uh, to me, I think this is a good barometer for measuring a lot of infidels because the Christian element is there. Of course, Bob Dylan's always been a Christian artist in a way you could say he's sprinkled out. You know, not only the three the three albums in particular, but all of this. I mean, there's so much religion on this record. But to me, I think that this song, when I was thinking about the record too, a good barometer for an infidel song is does it slap? Now you can say it doesn't slap, but I'm gonna say this song slaps. <laughs> and it slaps without knowing anything about the Bible. Like the words feel good, it feels fun. There's a lot of words, which again, I like that in a Bob Dylan song or any song. It's just wordplay. It feels like there's a lot of ideas going by. It it invites a re-listen. So I'm down. But if you know a little bit about the Bible or a little bit more, I think it slaps even harder. And I feel like with Christian music, it's the inverse. Most Christian artists want to be more mainstream to be better. The more Christian you are, the worse the song is. But for Christian Bob, I think it's the inverse. Like the more layers to his biblical illusions and the more you like pick up on them or read about them or know them, the fucking better the song is. Mm. And I think that's rare. And I, I, I don't listen to Christian music, so I don't know. There's probably other artists that kind of do stuff like that. But I think Bob Dylan is very, very, very unique in that regard, that the more Christian it gets for these specific songs, weirdly enough, the more the bet, the better it is. I mean, just for when you start reading those Bible passages that I'm not, you know, I've read the Bible, but I'm not super well versed on all this stuff. But when you read them, you're like, man, if that's like the whole idea, that whole passage is kind of what he's trying to put here in that line. 
that's a really interesting thought and that colors the way you listen to it. And again, it's just a lyrical reading, which I think for most people, that's not why they're listening to music. That's not why they're listening to maybe even Bob Dylan. Like they're just trying to jam out. So it is kind of like results may will vary. I think that the song can be good, good, good. And then the moment it's like, I got to get a textbook out for a lot of people. It, it dips off. Yeah. Well, I would love to know what's going on in the song. Unfortunately, the music lets it down so much that I don't care what he's saying. <laughs> That's fair. I love the music and I love it for Bob Dylan just being a unique Bob Dylan song too. There's almost not, there's nothing else like it. So mm-hmm. I will take that. Uh, I suppose. And the final uh, Infidel song that we've done is the possibly the greatest episode of Sign on the Window of All Time, Sweetheart Like You, episode 114. Infidel rating for this is, of course, Jezebel. And I'm going back to Frankie Lane, 1951, his song called Jezebel. If ever the devil was born without a pair of horns, it was you, Jezebel. It was you. If ever an angel fell, Jezebel, it was you. Jezebel, it was you. Kelly, what do you think about Sweetheart Like You? We're only about a year removed from this bad boy. I know. And uh, because I don't play the guitar anymore, I like try. I just picked up a guitar like a, <laughs> a couple weeks ago. And I was like, can I play that solo? Nope. I can play parts of it, but I just don't really yeah. remember it. You forget stuff so fast. Uh, I, I cannot speak highly enough of the Daniel Romano version of this song. It is, it is perfect. It, like any qualms or quibbles we might have with the lyrics going back and forth and like, you know, is this super misogynistic or is he just like naively infantilizing, which is, you know, sexist in and of itself, but still just like, you know, blah, 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 cute hat, hilarious. And it was so fun because I forgot like the hat happens immediately. It's <laughs> just like so good. It's so good. Yes. Never forget the cute hat. And that's where you belong. I mean, that's why this song is amazing because of the details. I mean, because we don't know, you know, you could talk about the lyrics and stuff, but at the end of the day, it is a, like a character study of a person looking at another person in the bar and this is what they think. And, and that's, yeah, it's all of those things add up to a really detailed portrait of what's going on. And I think that's what made the song so good for us to listen to and talk about. But also, I think it's like this is to me a, a masterpiece of a song. I think it's great. I think Ramona's version is amazing, and I think this version is great as well. I think the solo was awesome. I love just the down tempo of it. It's great. I love it, and I loved recording it. Kendra John, we love you. Yes, we love you. We miss you. Uh, we miss the backyard. R.I.P. Backyard. I know, and that like colored this so much for me too. It's really hard to remove. Anytime we do a, an episode that's really fun, you know, like doing or make any music or doing any kind of stuff, it's like that becomes so much part of the song for me that it's hard to to remove. It. Absolutely. So I, you know, this is very for the out for the thirteen songs of ours. Again, this one's like right in the middle of the pack. Definitely don't hate it. Yeah, but it's not my favorite. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, and just uh, for housekeeping here, it was recorded a lot. We listened to multiple takes on our episode, and I highly recommend going to listen to that if you want to have a good time. Just sit out in a in a park somewhere, put on your headphones, and hang out with the four of us, John, Kendra, Kelly, and myself, as we drink some Bob Dylan, you know, Heaven's Door whiskey. That's and right. We, uh, we we play a little bit of music and we hang out. Uh, this was recorded in 18 takes on the 18th of April and two takes on the 14th of April. So 20 takes total. Uh, we listened to a good amount of them. And you can find an alternate take on the Bootleg Series Volume 16 as well. So, And if you are going out to the, um, to the park, you should also put on a cute hat. Obviously. Of course. If ever the devil was born without a pair of horns, it was you, Jezebel, it was you. If ever an angel fell 
Jezebel, it was you. All right, Kelly, now we're, we're in some territory where we've never been before. The songs that we haven't done, but will eventually do someday. And we are going to start, uh, I don't really know what the order, I think this is an album order. So we're going to start with Neighborhood Bully. Infidel rating here is going to be, uh, what's his name? Jean Laurent de Ambert. Ambert said, quote, music that paints nothing is only noise. Hmm. Kelly, what do you think about Neighborhood Bully? And does that quote help it anyway? Uh, no, I thought Neighborhood Bully was actually good. I, I was just like, after, after two songs that are pretty slow tempo, this was like, thank God, some movement. It's repetitive. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's, you know, not a whole lot. It's basically the same, you know, whatever, 12 measures over and over again. But I don't know, man. It's like, it's da 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 Well, no, I, th- I think that it's important for the record. I think that it's hard to want to take that one away without putting another fast tempo song in its place. If you were going to replace this, um, I think that would be kind of hard, but yeah, no, I'm with you. The song, the song also sounds really good on headphones as well. I kind of, I enjoy it underneath the whole thing just going, but yeah, God, it is fucking repetitive. And this is not a song that I really, I ever go back to. I just, I'm not into it. And again, this is probably me just more politically. It just, it does not line up for me. Um, my, my thinking about this is circular. Um, Number one, fuck this. Get this off the record. I hate this. This song sucks. Number two, and then I go to uh, the infidels as it stands as a record needs neighborhood bully question mark. And then I go to step three, the infidels as it stands needs neighborhood bully declarative statement. And then four, fuck this. Get this off my album. This sucks. So it just, it just is a loop here that I'm constantly in and it's, it's hard. And, and, I think listening to the song and just sort of like having it flow, I think can be su- super fine. But this is a one where you dig into the lyrics. Then we start to kind of like, then we're talking about what we're going to talk about with man of peace. We're talking about Israel. We're talking about the middle East. We're talking about aggressively 1980s politics. And we're talking about Christian Zionism and wanting to be in the middle East. We're talking about left behind. We're talking about the antichrist. You just, the well to jump into is too deep. Mm. And I think that to me is like the biggest turnoff on the song. And not only that, I will say we listen to clean cut kid. I don't know if you remember this from uh, the, one of the last records we did. Well, two years ago from uh, empire burlesque. He's a clean cut kid. That was another song from infidels that just got moved over to empire burlesque mm. with all the rest of the crap that went on there. Th- that song, if we ever, when we, whenever we listen to clean cut kid or neighborhood bully, we're going to, I'm going to put them each on each other's pl- playlist because they're the same song Hmm. and that's all. And I think you get into a sticky spot where people get really intense about 1980s Middle Eastern politics. And it's like, those issues are still obviously happening today. And it's like, you cannot talk about this sometimes without clarifying and and, and making sure where you stand and things like that. So it's kind of hard because you want to talk just about Bob Dylan, but he's so coy that we don't even know what he's thinking in in these songs. Well, as someone who doesn't, really key in the lyrics ever anyway with the exception of i did pick up the license to kill thing in this song because i was like hey that's a, right. that's the name of one of the that's the name of one of these songs uh i certainly not in a million years would have been like oh this is clearly about middle eastern politics <laughs> in the 80s nope not even not even for a yeah. second so i'm just like bum, 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 bum. <laughs> if you're just vibing you're not even going to pick up on it. And it is subtle to his point to bob dylan's credit most of his shit like this mm-hmm. are are subtle enough I don't know how subtle this really, really is, but it is, you know, you could just 
overlook it. And for me, it's just kind of a drone. Yeah. So I can just turn it off. Ooh, I should have said while you were talking about saying all that stuff about the jacket, this cover, he has never looked better. This is the most attractive Bob Dylan has ever looked in his life, in mm. my opinion. The glasses look great. Yeah. The stubble. His hair stubble. is like reasonable. And then he's like, where's <laughs> just... my blazer? Let's do this. <laughs> <laughs> Give me a sport coat. I'm going to roll up the sleeves. Let's go to Japan. <laughs> <laughs> oh jesus christ well we will talk about that in a moment as well uh man of peace is the next song that we'll talk about here infidel rating for this is king ahab from one kings 21 through 27 and when ahab heard those words he tore his clothes and put sackcloth on his flesh and fasted and lay in sackcloth and went about dejectedly sure. kelly what did you think about man of peace uh, it's, it's a little too revivally for me. Uh, I think the lyrics, yeah, it's You like just... the little drum? <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> it didn't do it enough for me. I wanted more. Uh, it, yeah, it's just like, it's, it's very revivalry. It's like honky tonky. It's, I could just see people mm. at the senior center getting hyped for this song. You know what I mean? Like this has that kind of energy, like. The, the laid back, let's dance, you know, where you, you don't have a ton of mobility, but you're like, yeah, this is my shit. So that's Sometimes uh, Satan comes yeah. as a man of peace. Right? Did you hear that thing Barack Obama said? <laughs> yeah, can't, right? Does, like, that just seems like the soundtrack for that uh, that moment. Yes, yes. As, you know, that was my, my grandpa. So, yeah, I could absolutely see him be like, you know, sometimes Satan does come as a man of peace. Did you see <laughs> Obama at the UN? Like, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's basically that. Uh, yeah, no, for me, it's hard to differentiate this from, like, Neighborhood Bully. I mean, they're both the same. And again, like, for me, the politics are just so regressive and conservative. And that's Bob. And something you, people just have to accept about him is, like, we see him in the 60s ossified, you know, anti-war type of person. But, like, we know too much at this point. You know, you know too much about Bob. You know, there are storybook versions of Bob Dylan where you would never, ever talk about this type of shit. You would just suppress the whole thing because it doesn't fit this, like, general liberal minded sort of person not to say he's not but like this is more probably politically where he stands at least he did then and this is very much what he was saying during his born again revival stuff where he would lecture the crowd outside of the songs themselves like those raps of him going and like holding these revivals and 20 you know 20 nights at, a, at one venue trying to proselytize to people like aggressively on this record some of that stuff from saved that people don't like because it's so aggressively in your face i think that this is the same way it's just kind of like changing the tone up a little bit and talking uh not so much about jesus particularly but like that's the underlying message you mm -hmm. know like the devil's coming we got to figure this out uh it will say to its credit musically because most of the music in this song i i, I don't like the song statement next next statement <laughs> there is a cool thing that i think it's a lap steel guitar i can't 100 percent mm. tell what the instrument is because it's got a very cool plucky but twangy sound that's not like the overall country rock vibe it's a total totally other sound that reminds me a lot of the sounds they were using the tones they were using in shadow kingdom it's really short oh. it only happens twice in the song the, the one instance i know for sure is at 137 uh, in the song mm -hmm. where it's like, it's just like, dan, 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 but it's like got that. Very, oh, I do know. Yeah. It's like, it's not a dobro guitar. It's something that I don't, I can't play. So I'm pretty sure it's a lap steel guitar, but it's not sliding. It's just being plucked. Uh, it's very cool. That's the, that's yeah. the one positive thing I can say for sure about this song. Fair enough. 
Fair enough. Yeah, I mean, eventually we'll we'll talk about this when we get the episode. We'll talk about the band playing Dixie with the man with his arm outstretched. Is it the Fuhrer? Is it the local priest? I will say that was probably my favorite part about the whole thing. But I just want to I want to throw out a couple of bad bad lines just because I just I could. This was a long <laughs> six minutes and thirty two seconds. Um, good intentions can be evil. Both hands can be full of grease. Okay. Uh, well, first he's in the background, then he's in the front. Both eyes are looking like they're on a rabbit hunt. Hate it. Um, he can he can ride down Niagara Falls in a barrel in the barrels of your skull. Now evocative, but what the fuck does that mean, Pop? What does that mean? And then of course, want to get married? Do it now. Tomorrow, all activity will cease. Okay, whatever, man. I I don't want to say this is the worst song of his entire life, but like, who? And I will say I enjoyed also the guitar solo, like weird guitar solo as well in between the final and like the synths are really like loud and really annoying. I don't know if you know what I'm talking, like really loud and really annoying. And I kind of loved it. That's a, that's awesome. a problem so throughout the it. album, I would say. I, I could clock the electronic. Clock. Alan Clark's the, just the, the <sighs> not good, man. The sounds are bad. The sounds are bad. The only way that to do good eighty cents is to do it in two thousand and ten. I'm sorry, it's just. Uh, I mean, true. it's true. It's true. <laughs> and even like it's all digital, but like it's not the digital we know. Like it's yeah. things hopefully are getting better, but who knows? People in the 2040s right now are laughing at us as they're underwater oh, creatures yeah. now, and they could like. <laughs> do all kinds of stuff that we have, we could only dream about. Uh, hopefully they're still listening to Bob Dylan. And if you are, just know that we probably made it to the underwater world as well. And we're probably down there right now. Oh, yeah. All you cool cats on Elon Musk's Mars colony. Fucking. Oh, yeah. Give us a like and subscribe. Is that something you do with podcasts? <laughs> yeah. Kansas used to be a state. I know you guys get your vegetables and eat them raw now from the moon. But right. back in the day, we used to have tractors. You don't know about tractors. You don't know about tractors. Next song. Which, thank God, gets a little bit of a buffer from all the rest of the crap on this album is I and I. Uh, Infidel rating for this is Jean Jacques Rousseau. Rousseau said, I would rather be a man of paradoxes than a man of prejudices. But Tuvo Tom Tom, the band, said, quote, And I make it noble, yeah, just like it happened. Like Jean Jacques Rousseau said, Backyard bungalow, I got the cred. I built it myself. Yeah, I build that shed. Kelly, what did you think about <laughs> I and I? <laughs> it's a real song. <laughs> you got to keep moving. I'm glad that you just like powered through. <laughs> and kept going. Uh, I want to know more about that shed, but that's say I'll save it for the two vo tum tum podcast that we also do. <laughs> I don't even know what your two vo tum tum. Two yeah t u v i o tum like tums tum 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 space tum. Obviously, Kelly, what did you think about I and I? It's great. It's uh, it's it's the best song on this album. It's not the best song on our collection of songs, uh, but it's the best song on this album. Uh, I wouldn't change a thing. And I think the the Romano version doesn't do anything good for it. I think that this is fine the way it is. Yeah, I think this is one where it's hard to imagine even like the plugs back in the day taking this on and not having it being a slower tempo type Mm -hmm. of like. And that's kind of the way I feel about Sweetheart Like You. I feel like that breath of just letting the guitars and stuff kind of simmer down make that great and i and i is yeah i mean that's the other one that i was talking about this song is my favorite on the record and i love this song to the moon and back and it's i 
uh, infidels does not exist without this out with this with this song and because of the connection with sweetheart like you just being down tempo and stuff it's hard for me to separate those two as well and i love it um you know everything here i wrote down the things that i loved um obviously this is another one where the verses if you know about the bible at all it slaps even harder but you don't need to know that um so you have like god saying to moses in exodus which god says to moses thou canst not see my face for there shall no man see me and live mm-hmm. so it's a direct reference right from there and i think it's a great chorus and it's a great setup um for what we're doing here the guitar at the beginning is beautiful i love the like i don't even know what he's doing the you know where he's you probably know what i'm talking about you know the and the piano another great piano song the mysterious woman i loved her you know midway through the song he's like i can't wait to leave i don't want to talk to her Quote, specially about whatever it was. I love the two men on the platform, you know, why people love trains, of course, but it also like brings slow train, you know, (laughs) slow train coming the first of his Christian albums. The train's coming, you know, this is Woody Guthrie, you know, the train of justice, the train of God, the train of whatever. So it's like, what, what are you waiting for on that platform? I think is incredible. I'm glad you enjoyed it too. I don't think I could have taken you saying the song sucked. No, it's, uh, I, I, I recant my comment. The plugs version is just as good it's just faster it, it's really faithful it's just sped up which i mean i i like when he chops minutes off of songs usually but i think this one really kind of deserves the the slower bigger grandiose treatment because it is really dramatic it's like theatrical uh it, it's got a it, yeah. it is really evocative in that th- there's a narrative and it's like this is like kind of a person's revenge story or something like you can feel that something. marching towards something or, or like trying to you just did something and you're walking away or you're about to do something very intense and like it just it really has that feeling. Uh, the piano, I, I agree 100% is great. This also makes me feel like this is such a Tori Amos song. Like I, if you took out mm. the the rock guitar, any of that stuff and made it a, 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 just a piano ballad, Tori Amos, like this is very yeah. much her lane and it would be beautiful. But yeah. I think it's great as is. Well, and Mark Mark commented specifically about that too. He's like, you know, Bob's a pretty he he makes songs to his poetry, which I think he was kind of meeting as kind of a slight. But he was saying when Bob Dylan just sits down with a piano, even a very simple melody, the dude knocks it out of the park. If he was just a piano artist, he would be one of mm-hmm. like regarded by high and wide. What he does with his voice, what he does with his pen, are highly regarded and deservedly so. But what he does with like the music itself is often hit or miss, and is very much a product of his time and stuff like that. And it's like when you get him on a piano, there the pianos are fucking timeless, man, and, and guitars are timeless too yeah. on, on some level. But when you gussy it up with lots of other stuff you really place it and this sounds like an 80s record at a lot of times but if you are able to just have him doing piano for i and i i'm totally there for it and i think you can make a case that it could also not content wise but the mysteriousness of these creatures and these characters on train platforms and what's going on with the the woman and everything this is classic seven curses my seven curses expanded universe not so much a Western, but you can imagine with the train that there might be a heist going on or something. You never know. No, I definitely did. I think it's it's 100% adjacent. I do. Okay. Then we'll, we'll talk about that when we get it. Hopefully we get it someday soon because I do love that song. And finally, to close out Infidels, the record itself, Don't Fall Apart on Me Tonight, which oh, you can God, actually I watch a- song is on there. Which you can actually watch a- um, uh, uh, the video for it. So they released a promo oh, video. Really? Uh, yeah, so we'll watch that video when we get the song uh, for the Bootleg Series Volume 16. It's pretty cool. It's actually really cool to see all of them in the studio performing, and that might help us a lot, like trying to create them as real people in our heads, because I have a hard time doing that, even with, I just see Bob Dylan's face, but I can't imagine Mark Knopfler as a person hanging out. Um, <laughs> infidel rating for this, Catherine of Russia. Um, and from the great, uh, she says, quote, you gave me a bear and ceased punching me. What woman would not be happy? 
Kelly, uh, don't fall apart on me tonight. <laughs> no comment. Move on. No comment. Um, I wanted these quotes to line up with like what I thought about the song, but I realized impossible to do. Like, I, how could I find quotes for all these infidels that like relate to what I feel? So we're just going to go with talk the about punching women or getting bears at all. Come on. Yeah. Tough. Uh, yeah, it's boring, but uh, it's very poppy. It's like, poppy inoffensive he says girl so much i really want the weekend to do this song i think mm. the weekend could 100 percent cover this song. now there aren't enough drugs and overt sex yeah referencing sure. but, you can put it in. but but yeah you could add them in uh it, it just really it has the bones lyrically of of a good i mean you when you do in uh, lots of repetitions like girls come on girl don't worry about it girl what like you're you're right there you're right there you're you're two steps from bieber man come on let's oh yeah are you saying this song is not sexy as hell? Did you miss the line? What about that millionaire with the drumstick in his pants? Come on. <laughs> Come on. Yeah, but you got to add some lines about doing fucking Molly in the bathroom of a strip sure. club. And then we're <laughs> there. Then we've arrived there. at the weekend. Yeah. So, uh, but like, I don't know. It's it, other than being boring. It doesn't yeah. make me crazy, but I, I ranked it very low. It turns out. I don't know. Every, it's like you talk about you start talking about stuff and you remember how good other things are. And you're like, maybe this isn't so yeah. bad. I'm having fun talking about this. You just ruin your whole ranking. Rankings are a lie. And for my and I into this, it's kind of like, you know, this is a classic Bob Dylan, like love song, quote unquote. At the end of a record, he's done it before. He'll do it again. It's kind of like, OK, cool. We had fun here. And it's the same thing. If you're into the religious aspects of it, streets full of vipers. I mean, I do like the safety in the place of the Pope, though, because the Pope got shot, you know, the Pope mobile. So that happened in 1981. The Pope got shot in St. Peter's Square. So it gave us a cool fucking Dead Kennedys cover. So we're good. Um, (laughs) But yeah, I mean, like the Clark Gable line for me is just too reminiscent of like where we're going. And it makes me sad because the plugs or an Elvis Costello or, or whoever could have revitalized this man's career at this time. Like this record was it was okay, but it could have it could have led him on a path that could have been great. And when he's saying about Clark Gable there, I was like, oh, man, we're just about to be an old man watching movies commenting on it and writing some trash i mean until we get to brownsville girl which is like the apex of that idea but it's not enough man to justify this and i would have loved if he could have put some of this stuff away and really like focused on being a fucking proto-punk band or something i don't know man just it would have been a lot better the only thing i got when he said the the louvre line about like blowing up stuff and he mentioned the louvre i thought of the louvre by lord and then Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, did did she rip off this song? Because she has a song right before it called Homemade Dynamite. But in my head, they were the same thing. So I saw, I thought the Louvre on Melodrama, that song dealt with blowing up the Louvre. And I was like, yeah, she just stole this fucking idea from Bob Dylan. And then it turns out that they're two different songs. So that was the most interesting part of my time with Don't Fall Apart on Me Tonight was listening to the Louvre by Lord. <laughs> Recommended. Well, yeah, I was... I, when the, the first thought was like, wow, this would be better if this was anyone else doing this song. Hmm. That's hmm. too bad. Yo, I'm a savage and I'm making noble. Yeah, just like it happened. Like John Jack Russo said, backyard bungalow. I get that cred. I built it myself. Yeah, I built that shed. Social contract breach. I stay ahead. Condo on the beach. Mountain home instead. About my main spot, homie. I don't say I got a dope little family tucked away. Before we get into the five songs that we did not have 
on the records, but we will listen to it at some point. I want to note that there was a fuck ton of songs that Bob Dylan did. There's a couple originals and stuff, and weirdly enough, Infidels has not seen the light of day. And that got me thinking, too, about stuff like The Cutting Edge. Like, we have the entire Cutting Edge for three of Bob Dylan's most classic albums. In my head, I think that they would not put out that whole thing because they could put snippets of it over 20 years and make people buy expensive box sets to collect sure. all of these songs. So it's shocking to me that they put out the entirety in, in a big, huge box set for the cutting edge. And they haven't done it for things like this. Like people want every song from infidels. Now I would assume the opposite where it's like, just put it out. The diehards are going to buy it, but no one else will. And yet here we are, we're fucking trading on like random songs from the eighties to buy box sets, proving that we're idiots and we'll just do anything. <laughs> but we have all, all of the masterpiece material for the cutting edge, which you just would assume it would be the other way around. So I found that to be interesting because we still don't have infidels in total and we may never have it. Who knows what type of shit's on there? Who knows what kind of stuff they're saying, what lay beneath in the vaults, but there were a couple of other songs that we don't know much about. There's a song called Oh Babe, Slow Try Baby. Don't Fly Unless It's Safe, Dark Groove, Prison Station Blues, Forever My Darling. You know, songs that we just don't have a lot of information on. There are a couple of known songs that we've done. Number one, Death Is Not The End, was a song from this era that got reappropriated six years down the road for Down In The Groove, which we listened to episode 123. Undoubtedly, uh, one of the worst songs we've ever heard. Uh, There's a song called Clean Cut Kid. You don't even remember it, but we listened to it on episode 66 (laughs) for Empire Burlesque. It is inoffensive. It is Neighborhood Bully. It's the same song, and it's not very good. And then there's a song called Julius and Ethel that's been around for a long time as a bootleg and is on, I believe, volume 16. Yeah. So you can listen to it today, and it's like, okay, cool. That could have fit on Infidels too, but it wasn't on Spotify. So I'm like, yeah, we'll listen to Julius and Ethel at some other point. But what he did do as well is there was a lot of covers. He did a lot of Woody Guthrie covers. He did a Joni Mitchell cover, Hank Williams, Hank Snow, 16 Tons by Merle Merle Travis, uh, It's Too Late, She's Gone by Chuck Willis. So he's doing a lot of like uh, Jimmy Reed. You can listen to Baby, Baby What You Want Me To Do by Jimmy Reed, which is on volume 16 as well. These are really good covers. And you could think in another era, because we listened to Self Portrait, that if there was any like qualms about what Infidels was, they could have just taken some of these songs, I'm sure, cuts from the recording sessions of Self-Portrait and just put it out as another record. So there's a lot of covers here that have never seen the light of day. A lot of traditional songs he did. He even did Christmas songs, 12 Days of Christmas, Silent Night, and Glory to the King, which is not really explicitly a Christmas song, but all during this time, all during this time he did. uh, Jesus met Jesus met the woman at the well, which we have him singing that song back in 1962. So he's, he's still doing Oh Susanna by Stephen Foster, green, green grass of home, which you can listen to on volume 16 dark as the dungeon, which he did back in rolling thunder era home, home on the range, which you can listen to (laughs) on volume 16. I think, uh, no, you cannot listen to that one. So he's doing one takes of all of them. So they're just kind of vibing, doing home on the range for some reason in New York city. But there were a couple covers that he spent a lot of time on. Uh, well, sometime across the borderline is a song that he did all the time live. And that would have been a pr- pretty cool song to have on a record. He did three takes of that, that they did a- spaced over a couple of days. There's a song called choo choo chaboogie. Three. He did three takes of that. I would love to hear choo choo chaboogie. <laughs> would you? It could be instrumental. Yeah, w- absolutely. I fucking would. Uh, and then there's a song called this was my love, which is on volume 16. And that I love because it's a breadcrumb for Frank Sinatra. And then the last one that he did fucking 15 takes for was Angel Flying Too Close to the Ground by Willie Nelson. 
And that's one that I think would be just the angel part alone would make it an interesting mix for infidels. And I think it's maybe the only cover that I could say that would be cool to have on. And you could listen to that on volume 16 as well. But luckily we've got the bootleg series volume one through three, which is probably one of the greatest bootlegs, one of the greatest box sets ever made because the songs are just top to bottom great. And it spans a, a man's 30 year career. And we've got five cuts from this era that are some of them are great. Some of them are, are mediocre. I don't think any of them are necessarily bad, but I do want to talk about each of them pretty quick because we're going to get them eventually. Uh, we're going to start, Kelly, with Tell Me. The infidel rating for this is Voltaire. Voltaire said, judge a man by his questions rather than by his answers. What did you think about Tell Me? Do, 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 do. Uh, my comments are this, beginning and ending. Very Buffety. Very boring. <laughs> the end. <laughs> so it makes you feel a lot more close to like Joker Man. Like, I mean, I was saying nothing sounds like Joker Man, but I kind of like get the yeah, two. Yeah. You could make put the two kind of together. Yeah. Although I want to know more about Jimmy Buffett's career, but I, I refuse to investigate. Dude, the amount of Jimmy Buffett we listened to during our trip to Yellowstone uh, was enough. That was enough Jimmy Buff. On our trip to Yellowstone? I don't remember listening to Jimmy Buffett. Are you at kidding all. me? What's her name had Jimmy Buffett XM radio on the whole way there and back? Oh, right. Oh, my God. I forgot about that. Yeah. Oh, like the ride into Yellowstone. I thought you meant us, no, like no, no, driving no, no, no. to Yellowstone. Us driving through the park and coming back. Yeah. Right. That's right. Oh, my God. I've kind of like, that is like, I wow. could not hear it because I didn't know that XM Sirius or whatever I had, Sirius XM had been doing that where they like just have artists takeovers and just play their whole discography like U2 has one David Bowie had one whatever and I, I was just like surely there'll be a not Jimmy Buffett song on here at some point and just kept being Jimmy Buffett and I was just like it'll be like a cover of a Jimmy Buffett song and you're like oh, okay. <laughs> oh my god it, ne- it never yeah. stops could you imagine infidels radio I mean that'd be tough um yeah I don't I think that this is probably the weakest one of our entire lot and I think that it it doesn't make sense on infidel because it sounds too much like Joker Man, which has no place on, being on Infidels. It doesn't sound like anything yeah. else. So that is an outlier. We don't need two outliers because now we're taking we're making things <laughs> make sense. And we don't we can't do that. We're not allowed. And then there was a couple of weird lines. I love the is your main friend someone who's an old acquaintance of yours who says main friend. <laughs> I, I found that to be really weird. We're MFFs. So, we're main friends for life. Yeah. And then the yeah exactly. And then the only like Infidels vibe I can find is when he says ever gone broke in a big way, ever done the opposite of what the experts say. I feel like lyrically, like, okay, cool. That's pretty good. Some of the other stuff doesn't line up as well, but like, okay, I can understand that being, if you're an infidel, you're riding the fence, you're out here living your own life and, you know, doing, saying stuff like that is like, okay, fine. Whatever, man. But yeah, no, he he recorded a, a couple takes of that, eight takes in total. And you can listen to it on one through three and volume 16 as well, but it's kind of the same, same song. So we'll talk about it later, I suppose. The next song is going to be Lord Protect My Child. Infidel's rating is going to be George Holyoke, who coined the term secularism. He said, quote, the church is a cell and the creed is a cage. The cage is lighter, more airy and less repulsive than the cell. But the imprisonment is complete in both. What did you think about Lord Protect My Child? Uh, I hate it. It's my least favorite song. Yep. It's just. You didn't like the piano. It's just a gospel song. I don't know. Like this, whereas his other Christian stuff doesn't like trigger me for lack of a better term, uh, with its religiosity because it's, you know, it's pretty well concealed and it's, it's, you know, we went through all of what, Shot of Love or whatever, right? 
Shuttleoff, yep. Uh, and which was late period, and that was like skirting the edge, which is kind of where we're at here too, mm. where we've got a couple religious ideas, but not overt religious songs. We haven't done anything from Saved. I mean, Saved is basically a gospel record. Mm. So I mean, I think you're right. Like this song definitely fits more with like Saved. I mean, I don't know. I cu- I couldn't I couldn't hear it. I couldn't hear the words. That's fine. That, no, I, <laughs> hey, we'll talk about it some other day, Kelly. I I, I like the piano. I, I think it's really good. I like Bob Dylan's voice. I think that as like a foil for Foot of Pride and a foil for Blind Willie McTell, to me, it really works out well. And even saying lines like, you know, uh, but when men lose their chain, tra- chains and, and righteousness reigns, I mean, you can read that as a very like, oh, we'll all be free because God will let us be free. But you can also read it as an abolitionist statement as well, mm. which brings us back to something like Blind Willie McTell, which to me, you know, Lord protect my child, you could... If you're putting your mind back into people seeking freedom uh, from whatever era you want to go to, if it be the American South, because that's where Blind Willie McTell takes us, I think that a song like this explicitly is really great with Blind Willie McTell because they're both preaching to sort of the same idea, the same concepts about freedom and about looking for protection. And Blind Willie McTell says there is none. There is no place to go right off the beginning of the song says nowhere is safe. You have no property. There's, there's no prosperity to be had here. And so you have a song like this. That's like, who's going to protect me. Who's going to protect my child. God, please. (laughs) Someone's got a hold of my heart. Also known as episode 60 tight connection to my heart, which is uh, (laughs) a probably out of all of these songs, he didn't just take it and put it on another record. A couple of years later, he actually did change around tight connection a lot. So we talked about tight connection before, Got the synths going, very 1985. Um, we got the great music video, of course, during our first music video month. But during that, we also did listen to this, Someone's Got a Hold of My Heart, from this exact bootleg. Um, but now it kind of makes more sense because it was recorded during Infidels. The Infidel rating for this, weirdly enough, is Blind Willie McTell. Blind Willie McTell sings, quote, I hear the church bell ringing. I see visions clear. I hear the birdies singing. I know darn well there's no birdies near. Kelly, what did you think about Someone's Got a Hold of My Heart? Uh, it, adult contemporary, buffety, okay. inoffensive, oh my boring. God. We need more buffety. I want to know more people that sound like Buffett. Is Buffett alone? <laughs> I need to know more about Buffett. Just to, because now I want to be a, a pedant and be like, what era of Buffett, Kelly? What are we talking about? Defend yourself. Name a track. Tell me. <laughs> Give me a one to one. Uh, I don't know, man. Yeah. Just you, 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 and a plowder. That's what I have is the takeaway from this. <laughs> yeah, anyways, uh, I, I think the song fucking slaps. I think it's good. And I think, again, it's the Bible knowledge or not the Bible knowledge. And weirdly enough, this has a lot of Bible knowledge, which I, I like. Is this you about know, the Bible, too? Other stuff. Oh, my God. And it's not about the Bible. It's not singing about the Bible because you're taking verses from all over the Bible. So all it is is I went to my favorite book and I'm referencing the yeah. book. That's all it is. So when you look at like eat, drink and be merry, everybody said that we say that at Christmas time, but Oh, turns out it's a Bible verse. And when you read the whole verse, that's all I'm saying is this song is great because if you dig into it, it's like, Oh, this adds more depth to the song. If you think that it's not good, you'll never go and add any depth to it. That's right. the problem. I think with infidels, if you're turned off by it, why would you go and explore it? That's a hard bridge to gap. And I think you can clearly say that Bob Dylan failed to bridge the gap. <laughs> it isn't. I mean, right. and this song didn't make it on a record for a reason. And I don't agree with the reason. I think this could absolutely be on Infidels because it has the religious elements. 
But it also has those connections to other songs like Foot of Pride. Don't Fall Apart on Me Tonight. It, it, it talks about Madam Butterfly, which is a fucking movie. So we're bringing in the movie stuff. It, it mentions um, Neighborhood Bully when he talks about Babylon. You know, he said, I, I've been to Babylon. He talks about Babylon in Neighborhood Bully as well. So you're doing the, the guy in the powder blue wig, which could very well be the Antichrist, right? He's kind of this chaotic character in the song. So you start to kind of piece all these things together. And that can be interesting. But is it interesting? I don't think so because they're not on the album together, right? So it's just kind of a song and we're making a connection, but is there a connection? I mean, technically they were recorded during a month-long process, but I don't know. Like the lion is the flesh of the man Sucking a woman who passes herself off as a male They sing Danny Boy at his funeral and the Lord's Prayer you talk about Christ's betrayal. It's like the earth just opened and swallowed him up. He reached too high. Okay, now we're getting into the getting into the good stuff here. These are the two two of my favorite songs. So we'll see how you agree or don't agree here. Foot of Pride, also known as Too Late, um, before the Bootleg Series Volume 16. We didn't know that there was a whole treasure trove, but we should have known because there were 54 takes. For Foot of Pride what? during the month of the recording of this record. The Infidel's rating, Kelly, because we, we all need it, is Ivan the Terrible. Quote, quoting Ivan the Terrible, quote, And I, a stinking hound, whom can I teach? What can I preach? And with what can I enlighten others? Myself, always wallowing in drunkenness, fornication, adultery, filth, murders, rapine, despoliation, hatred, and all sorts of evil doing. What did you think about Foot of Pride? Uh, it's really good. I think it takes the best qualities, if you agree that there are any, of Union, Sundown, and Man of Peace and makes them into a, an actual good song. Um, like the Lyrically, it's great, but it also musically, I think it, it found that right balance of like that repetitive bullshit of, of uh, Union, Sundown, and uh, the Man of Peace, same thing, where it's like it's got a little bit of the religiosity, but it doesn't have it so much to the point where I'm completely turned off by it kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's it's good, and I also like that it's well, it's critiquing like it's... religion too, which is nice. Well, no, I also like didn't really super listen to lyrics, except for I was like, you know, the, immediately it's like uh, a woman who passes herself off as a man. I was like, what are we talking about here? I'm like, oh, we're, are we talking about women murdering people? I'm into this. Is this a murder song? Is this about ladies murdering people? And then I just you know stop listening. <laughs> so... Oh my god! Wow. <laughs> okay, so you don't even know what the song is about? No. <laughs> Because, I mean, that's for me, I would say it's interesting that you would sort of even put something like, well, Union Sundown makes sense. But like Man of Peace, Neighborhood Bully, it's the antithetical to it. It's the antithesis Mm. of those songs. Because this song is not. I mean, there's they'll kill babies in the crib and say only the good die young. We we take all this money from sin, build big universities to study in, sing Amazing Grace all the way to the Swiss banks. It's all about. What I think is lacking in this record, which is a critique of fucking religion, a critique mm-hmm. of all these grifters who make money off of these people, which is why Billy Sunday is here for right. my rating here is because this song is about as great of an encapsulation of the Reagan era religious right that I I found. And this for me as a kid listening to the bootleg series volume one through three and hearing this song and not knowing anything about infidels or where it came from. I was like, this this is a punk song. This is a punk song, a punk sensibility. And there are moments of it, too, where even for me as a kid, 
the end to me is one of my favorite moments in all of Bob Dylan when he says, From now on, this will be where you're from. Let the dead bury the dead, your time will come. Earlier in that song, he says, you know, judgment on them is something that you'll never see. And I think we can all lament that. These fucking people keep getting away with being the worst people in the world and preaching like they're the best. It's hard not to be like, yes, you want that. You don't want to be a part of that hot iron blowing, but it does feel good to feel like there is justice beyond reading a book even. Why can't that be on the record? This not being on there is second degree murder because Blind Willie McTell is first degree (laughs) murder. I'll never understand it. Uh, so, I mean, isn't that kind of why he lost his faith or didn't lose his faith, but turned away from the institution? of the, It's like you at first you're like, oh, this is a great idea. This is the best self-help book and also like thing to put my time and energy into. And then you realize the uh, the organization side of it, the you know church with a capital C is fucked up. It's terrible. Everything about this is terrible. It's all just capitalism to the extreme and getting another person a fucking private jet and all this stuff. So, I mean, like this being a, a condemnation of that is, is great. Yeah. And I think it's necessary if you're going to I think so. If, if that was part of why you turned away or not away, but changed your attitudes on the whole thing instead of, you know, just everything is great. There's no downside to what I'm doing uh, and actually critically thinking about it. Then, yeah, you should fucking put it on there, man. This is your your coming out uh, of that phase. This is a great and infidels. I mean, talk about infidels. Yeah. The, the idea of an infidel is somebody going against the grain. You know, the Catholic Church branded all of these people infidels. Billy Sunday said Voltaire and fucking Rousseau are fucking infidels because they preached people taking agency in their lives and not giving it over to some mystical, mythical being. You know, you live your life. Do what you need to do and don't hurt other people. Like That's all you need to live. By what Jesus said, not by all the other bullshit and all the trappings. Even if Foot of Pride was on there, I think Infidels is still a weird album that maybe has no coherent through line. I don't know. Anyways, I I really love the song and I would love to hear Daniel Romano do it. And that's kind of a a bummer here is that Daniel Romano didn't do it because it's not on the fucking album. Well, the top comment on that, the Bandcamp page for that is like... Why could you please do Blind Willie McTell and Foot of Pride? Please. Like, you don't have to do anything everyone. else. Just those two, please. <laughs> I'm glad we finally got to listen to it because I've been talking about it for five years now. And I feel like this and the next song are two that I think you just need to know before we even continue forward. And speaking of the next song, which is, of course, the final song of this podcast, eventually, <laughs> Blind Willie McTell. And the infidel rating for this is Nat Turner. And from William Styron's novel, uh, The Confessions of Nat Turner, he says, quote, why I think, as you say, to wit, that there are bad times and bad they will be until men are better, for they are bad men that make bad times. If men, therefore, would mend, so would the times. It is a folly to look for the good days so long as sin is so high and those who study its nourishment so many. What did you think about Blind Willie McTell? It was fine. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. (laughs) No, 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 no. (laughs) Uh, It's beautiful. I mean, it's like, you know, seven curses. Glorious. Uh, There's even a really subtle thing happening. I couldn't tell exactly what it was. Um, I, I can't tell if it's someone tapping their foot or, or tapping mm. on the back of an acoustic guitar because it's like got a hollow like wood sound. I think if you're tapping on the um, the floor, it wouldn't be so resonant. Um, so I, I, th- I think it's somebody hitting the back of a, a, an acoustic guitar or hitting an acoustic guitar. Um, it's so beautiful. It's like perfectly restrained. 
It's yeah. everything is executed exactly how it's tonally just works the whole way through. It ramps up a little bit, but it never goes over because it's supposed to be, or at least it feels to me, it's supposed to be intimate and close and it's supposed to be like really uh, dramatic. And like, I don't know. Yeah. It's just, it's really, really good. It, it was uh, uh, undoubtedly the highlight of, of all the songs. And yeah. Just like easy, easy number one. Yeah, and that's how we started the the recording process. So we've talked about the songs he brings in first. And Blind Willie McTell, he started on the song, and he did 21 takes, put it away for about a month. So he started on the 11th of April, the first sessions, picked them up on the 18th session, the second to last, which is where we get the song. So, I mean, again, it's right at the end, but because of some stupid timeline you put in your head, it didn't make the cut for whatever stupid bullshit reason, but he started with it and he, I, I want to hope I, we haven't heard all of them. So did he perfect it at the end? I don't know. There is another version on the bootleg series volume 16. That's pretty good, but it's more Rocky. It's got like different guitars going on and it's got a totally different vibe, which I'm not opposed to, but I can't stress how great the piano is and it just feels so intimate and Bob's voice, I mean, people consider this one of his best vocal performances, and I have to say I agree with that. I think it's incredible. And it's so unlike a lot of the stuff we have on Infidels that, again, it's weird to think about putting it on Infidels as we know it because, man, I want a record of shit like this. Yeah. Which kind of does Foot of Pride get it out of here because it's not like that at all. So I don't, I don't know. But, like, too much kind of is like that so i don't know i don't know what to think about any of that kind of stuff um i was gonna go on like a fucking tangent i mean the first verse alone is so the first verse alone is so like in depth that like you could just there are reasons why people can talk about this song for hours write fucking papers about it because you're talking about arrows and signposts you're talking about you know an album that deals with jerusalem and jews and jewish history you know we're evoking passover but not just passover we're talking about new orleans the home of chattel slavery back in the day you're talking about east texas you're talking about a black man blind willie mctell who's from georgia has nothing to do with texas so now we're talking about a third party there's a third person here bob dylan or the narrator is a character in the song because it's not even about blind willie mctell he's not even really a part of the song he's just he's just almost commenting that nobody can sing the blues like him but he's living his whole other life and bob said that he didn't put the song on because his vocals didn't live up to the tribute he thought this song deserved. Uh, And like, that's part of the story of the song, in my opinion as well. The fact that he himself feels that trepidation of putting it out is also why this song is one of the best. And I like when Bob Dylan does history and the way that he writes is so subtle and beautiful. And I can't wait to get into it is what I'm saying. And I'm glad that you enjoyed it. And this is something we won't talk about for 25 more years, Kelly. (laughs) I, I was, again, feeling my Brooklyn Nine-Nine rage about, this song was here this whole time and I wasn't allowed to hear it. So, yeah, I mean, I get that that's kind of the the point of the show, in a sense, is that I'm, you know, a random sampling of Bob Dylan over years. Uh, but it would be a crime if we ended up not not getting to this song sooner because I'm really glad to know that this exists because it's very cool. If they did the Blind Willie McTell version of License to Kill, I would that song would be great because it's got stuff to say. And this you'll listen to because the music is like this is fucking cool listen to this please do that with all your songs bob you have you you write all these great poems <laughs> that i would love to listen to but i can't because this music fucking sucks sorry 
<laughs> yeah, well, and again, I think it speaks to what we were saying about the piano. Like the piano in this is so fucking aggressive and like in your face. Mm-hmm. And it's like demanding you to listen. And I think it's true. Like you can either go really aggressive demanding, but still have the space or you yeah, take it down to a level where it's just so plodding and meandering and, and slow, like license to kill. I get it. I totally understand if you're going to compare those two, especially it's like there it had blind Man Mattel is perfect because it has an immediacy to it, but it also feels like slow and but it, but a good slow a great perfect pace it's the right kind of slow it has to draw you in like there's a you where it you want to listen there's something happening here musically that makes me want to listen to what he's saying and then other times the music's completely fucking turning me off so i can't hear it like that's why you're like did you even listen to photo pride I'm like no i didn't not really i mean i did but i like i was only listening to the music part but it didn't make me want to necessarily key into what he's saying but this is like you have to strip away stuff when there's only a piano and a little bit of a guitar. Where else are you going to go? It's like there's his voice, there's a piano, and there's a guitar. So I'm going to listen to the three things. But when you start these fucking layered synths and these terrible drums and all this shit going on, it's just like, I don't know. Even a good song, you can get lost sure. in all that for sure. Yeah, totally. No, I totally agree. I, I, I agree. And that's part of why, you know, we'll kind of combine these two things being a track list ideas what what were your rankings and i'll kind of go over what i think my perfect track listing is and also just like does this song work which i kind of know your answer here based on what we've been saying <laughs> uh does this work in 2022 i mean i think you've, you've articulated it well but uh with that also what were the rankings for the the songs themselves uh so at the very bottom lord protect my child then license to kill uh, don't fall apart on me tonight. Tell me, sweetheart, like you. It's just, sorry, man. The song's not yeah, great, okay. but, That's sad. you know. Uh, someone's got a hold of my heart <laughs> above that. Mm. Man of Peace, Union Sundown, Neighborhood Bully, Joker Man, Foot of Pride, I and I, Blind Willie McDowell. <laughs> okay. Uh, the top I agree with. The Neighborhood Bully. <laughs> we got to throw it out. I, I just, after Sweetheart Like You and, and Joker Man, it was nice to have. I was just so excited to have a song that wasn't slow. You're like, do 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 I don't care. Just let's do this forever. Maybe a little cowboy hat on. Oh, I no, I, I I agree. I mean, again, that's the whole point of sequencing. Like, I thought about that a lot. Just like, how do you sequence this out and have up tempo low? You know, Bob now just does up down, up down, up down. Solves a lot of problems. Makes mm-hmm. it easy. But like, yeah, you you don't want to strip away everything, right? And have ten blind Willie McTells. That's probably not the right. best right. way to do an album. Uh, so in the end, does it work? Would you recommend this to anyone? How would you recommend it, I suppose? Would you would you come in with all the caveats? I mean, the first time I ever brought it up to you, probably on the first episode we did uh, for Union Sundown, I probably said stuff like, this is a troubled album, a mediocre album, but a great album. Could have been great because of these 500,000 reasons you know nothing about because we're one year, 30 episodes into this podcast and I'm throwing it in your face. <laughs> right. But now that you're this far... What would you tell somebody? Do you recommend this and how would you even recommend it? I don't know, man. I I try to imagine in the scope of this, like, does it work today? Would you recommend this? I put it in. Would I listen to this in my car with the windows down loud enough for other people to hear it and be okay with it? And I'm going to say no uh, for the album as a whole, for sure. But that makes me sad because I would say that people should listen to I and I and Joker, man just for like musical context legacy and then the rest of the songs that i would be like you should listen to these songs aren't on this album so it's like in total i'm going to have to say no this is a windows up quietly to myself listening <laughs> not a as somebody who has 
banged out this at top volume <laughs> driving down highways don't you want to pull up to a car next to you uh, a car full of girls and just say uh, a woman like you should be at home that's where you belong don't you want to be singing that making eye contact at the top of your lungs <laughs> exactly is that not oh how you court people you know i mean that's i mean you could say some of the religious elements are like that's what the world should be like you know oh, yeah. And that darkness. I mean, I get exactly what you're saying, man. I this is a four songer for me. I had the CD and I popped in, and you better believe, Joker Man, Sweetheart, License to Kill, I and I, pop it out. We're on to the next CD. <laughs> I never played the other ones. They're just not as good. Yeah. I'm back to, to going back to the Bootleg Series Volume One through Three. That was the CD that the, that those three CDs never left my car ever because I I could count on it. Whatever era I wanted to be in, 60s, 70s on the second disc, and and the good 80s stuff on the on the third. We're good, you know. But I yeah. I, you know, I said it to you and I would say it the same way that it's it's only good as a historical artifact, but the songs that are good are undeniably good. And it would be a shame to never hear Blind Willie McTell because it's not on a record or something like that. Yeah. But it, for me, just so we, we have it out there and we have it on the record now, I want to say my caveats for my final track listing. I will say if I wanted to keep the songs, I just said the ones I would keep. License to Kill, I and I, Sweetheart, and Joker Man are the four that I've listened to forever. They are infidels to me. Everything else can suck it. If I was going to ditch songs, though, I would only ditch, ditch two songs. Man of Peace, Neighborhood Bully. I don't think they're necessary. We get it. We, we lived in the 80s too, Bob. I mean, we, you and I weren't alive, but I feel like I'm living in them right now. On the fence on whether to ditch, Union Sundown, not that important to me if it goes or, or stays. License to Kill, I love it, but don't care and don't fall apart on me tonight. Whatever. If you want to add something, Julius and Ethel, interesting, mainly historical. They're Jewish as well. They were selling secrets to the USSR. It's a whole thing. It was a huge cost of lead back in the 1950s, and that plays into something that would comment very nicely with something like Foot of Pride, which is, you know, religious sort of things going on. Uh, Angel Flying Too Close to the Ground, I think just the word angel alone qualifies it. Uh, that song came out in 1975 by Willie Nelson. Bob and Willie are friends. Hey, who cares? Just do it. Um, however, if we have to keep Man of Peace and Neighborhood Bully because that's what infidels needs, then I need Foot of Pride there to balance it out. So my perfect world here, Joker Man, Sweetheart Like You, One Two Punch, can't go wrong. I'm going to keep License to Kill because I'm a sadist. <laughs> I'm going to keep Union Sundown because I think it it slaps. And if we need a fun, like, upbeat song, then those are the three upbeat we have, Neighborhood Bully and Man of Peace and that. I'm going to take that, Union Sundown, any day. And then I'm going to do Foot of Pride because it's a perfect, like, mid right in the middle there. Kind of slows it down a little. Then we go real slow with Blind Willie McTell. And you're not going to like this, Kelly, but after that, Lord protect my child. Then we go to I and I which I, I like at the end of the record because I think it's a great one, but not strong enough to end the record because I would still end it roughly the same way as this. I would do Someone's Got a Hold of My Heart and then Don't Fall Apart on Me Tonight because I think those two kind of speak to one another as well. So that's a 10-song album, better than an 8-song album, but it might get a little bit long because Foot of Pride and Someone's Got a Hold are long songs. And this record is fairly short. It's like, you know, 40-something minutes long. It's four, Yeah, 42. 42. So that's a good album's over 40 minutes long, as Tim Barry said. That's where you want to be. So, yeah, if you add Foot of Pride, that adds five minutes right there. And, you know, so you're getting closer to like an hour-long thing. And it's like, I understand why you don't want to do it. And that's probably why Bob didn't, didn't do it. But Michael Gray said that there was no warmth, no unity, no sense that real music is being created or played for pleasure by people who know what they want. He said the production is half-hearted and irresolute. He said, 
It is Dylan beginning to say that he doesn't really want to write songs or make records anymore and to behave as if it hardly matters whether an album is good or not. This is not a welcome stance from a great artist. Wow. I agree and disagree. (laughs) I think that the songs are great. The bad songs are really bad. Not in a songwriting sense because Bob Dylan is still Bob Dylan. But... I think that means that 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 Michael Gray is actually right because the album fails because I can parse out and justify songs, but I have to do it with a hundred caveats, and yeah. that is not the mark of a great album. Yeah, uh, Kelly, you might know this. I don't know, but CDs are coming back. Gen Gen Z has found CDs, no. so CDs are coming back, and and I think it means more that the albums are coming back. I've always been an album boy. I mean, I make a lot of, a lot of, of uh, I make a lot of big uh, playlists for sure. But yeah, we definitely got away from that a lot, and I've I've lamented that because I do like a uh, structured album. I, I think it's really impressive when you can pull off good sequencing and have a, a narrative idea. Maybe not every song is connected a hundred percent, but thematically, I mean, yeah, I definitely I love that. I think that that's an art in and of itself. But I think with tangible media, it is something that. You have to have. Obviously, you could burn CDs, but I don't think Gen Z is burning CDs. I think the point is this world of like a fixed landscape where I put this disc on and I listen to it and that's all we have. We're not we can't go off without changing the disc into another realm. Whereas on Spotify, I can just queue up a new song right after that and I'm off onto another album, another single, another genre, you know, but. I think with Infidels, the way I listen to it would probably be the only way that you can, which is you were forced to listen to the whole thing and you have to get through it. And it's a great, mediocre album. It's a doorway for you to open Bob Dylan further. But if you're not, if you don't care about Bob Dylan, I don't know if I can recommend you listen to this record because it only is going to ask you for more. It only provides questions that if you don't want to answer, it's going to leave a bad taste in your mouth. I understand Infidels better today than I did when I was a kid. But it's because I've spent a lot of time listening to Bob Dylan. And so it doesn't make me as angry. It doesn't make me as confused as I think (laughs) it would a normal person. And I think it's important, too, and interesting that this is the 20th year. 1983 was the 20th anniversary of Free Wheel and Bob Dylan in 1963. So it's interesting to think of Bob Dylan as that kid walking on the streets of New York and this character in Jerusalem, you know, this mythical person who is hanging out. And looking different, but also looking great. And it's kind of like a reset. Unfortunately, it's a bad reset. It's kind of the last great thing he does for until 1997, I would argue. And it's like, okay, well, you've got a long 14, 15 years, my friend. Well, I mean, and it's not really going to be too kind. While you were reading that scathing review by Michael Gray, all I kept thinking was, oh, damn, dude was right. Smell that sweet magnolia blooming. I can hear them tribes moaning. Hear that undertaker's bell. We have, we've done all of them now, right? There are no more. Oh my God! Yeah, there's only like 40 more left, Kelly. So we're <laughs> we're we're in it. Uh, if you want to go listen to 1983 playlists, I'm sure that Hanif Abdul-Rakib has one out there. So go listen to that and pretend that we did it. And if you want to follow us on Instagram and stuff, I don't recommend it. But you can do it at <laughs> SOTWPod. 
dot com. No, that's not how it goes. That's our website. But no, if you want to do, uh, it's at SOTW Pod for everywhere. That's Twitter. That's Tumblr. No, we don't have Tumblr. All that's of this is a shit. mark of a really good social media person. Like, yeah, I think we have something. Yeah. I don't know. Don't do it. <laughs> we're we're professionals. You know what? I mean, I watching the TikTok that I see, man. This is the this is the blase attitude. I think the kids love it. Uh-huh. Unfortunately, the kids say this stuff and then they actually do it because that's right. the joke. We just j- don't do it. <laughs> so I think we're more consistent. Uh, if you want to give us money, patreon.com slash SOTW pod. I'm going to try again. We start the new year, but, you know, it gets in the way. It gets in the way. It's hard. It's hard to do this. I like talking about Bob Dylan. It's hard to do all the other crap. Yeah. So if you like Bob Dylan, just listen to Bob Dylan and listen to us and have fun and all that kind of stuff. Send me messages. I enjoy talking to you guys. Uh, Kelly, we're also people in the world. We're going to keep going with this. What have you been doing since last July? Oh. This is the last time officially I've talked to you outside. Of, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> what have you been doing in 2022, year of our Lord? You know, last week, uh, last month or so. Uh, yeah, I'm going to try to keep this brief. Uh, quickly, yeah. I have been experimenting with marijuana. Uh, peer, being peer pressured. <laughs> Can you admit that? On being the, peer pressured by my peer group. Actually, that's not true. I've been peer pressuring myself. I had, of the last three experiences I've had with marijuana, well, I guess of the last four experiences I've had with marijuana in the last probably seven years, three have been terrible. One was okay. So I went from a terrible time on my birthday from one hit of a vape pen because I do not handle marijuana well. Uh-huh. Terrible proceeding or following uh, two hours. And then I had a, a, an okay experience at uh, some of my wife's friend's house. We were hanging out and I didn't know that there was drugs in one of the things that I was eating or drinking. And then I was like, man, I'm in a great fucking wow. mood. This is great. This is marijuana. This is great. Are you sure this is marijuana? Because this is great. Uh, And then I was like, oh, I will buy marijuana to eat myself at home. Uh, And I did that. And I had a panic attack for four hours until I was able to fall asleep. And then I was like, well, I I, clearly I just did too much. Clearly I just did too much. Uh, So we and I was like, but I I don't want to do this ever again because that was enough. I was like, that was a really, really bad experience. Uh, And then what the most recent D&D session because these are the friends, these hoodlums, these devil-worshipping uh, peer pressures Druggies. who play Dungeons yeah. and Dragons, which is clearly a gateway into Satanism. Uh, they had a little, a little bit of drugs. I did, a, I ate a little bit of marijuana, and I was like, I'm going to be fine. This is just a little, very little bit. Last time, the problem was it was too much. This is a very little bit. And then, terrible time. It wasn't as bad. It wasn't as bad as the the previous event where I tried to watch Lord of the Rings and then instead I had a panic attack for four hours. It was like, uh, it was okay. But it was too much because my dungeon master picked that time where I'm on drugs to do the coolest thing in D&D where you do secrets. So where the dungeon master only tells one person what's going on. So the rest of the party has no idea what's going on. And I was involved in that. And I was like, no, <laughs> no, we're doing the cool thing. And I'm too high. I honestly can't follow what's happening. And this is terrible. So I ruined D&D. I didn't ruin D&D, but I felt terrible about it still to it this moment. Terrible. So... So uh, you want to do more? No. Is that what I'm hearing? I, I've tried. Oh, you're I done. think it's over now. I tried every version. And uh, in, in, in my head, yeah. I've tried it all. I've tried doing way too much, and I've tried doing almost none. And with the exception of when it was an accident and I didn't know what was going on, and I don't, who knows how much I had or didn't have at that time and what other factors may have played uh, a role in the good experience, it's not enough. The averages speak for themselves three out of four times, terrible fucking time. And it's just not worth the risk. 
that's been my PSA. But it sounds like you might be an addict now. So when I get there, you'll probably be addicted to marijuana. <laughs> like, Dana, would you like some and marijuana? Just, yeah, that's what's going to happen. I'm going to be like, no, Kelly, I can't do marijuana. And worship Satan. I have Satan. to listen to Bob Dylan. <laughs> yes. You should get high and listen to infidels. I mean, that is either panic attack inducing or it's probably the only way to go. That's my take. I don't know. Anyway. Quickly as I can. Bonobo came out with a new album. It's called Fragments. It's very oh, yeah. good. The very opening track. It's just like an intro track. It's only a minute and a half long or so called Polyghost. It's probably my favorite track on the album because just like DVD menu with Phoebe Bridgers, I like songs that aren't real songs. Uh, and Elysian is the other song on that album. That's great. Arlo Parks just came out with a new song. Hopefully she's going to come out with a new album. I know she just made one last year, Collapse and Sunbeams, but hopefully she comes out with one this year too. Uh, the new song is called Softly. It is excellent. SZA came out with a handful of tracks over the last two-ish years. Uh, her last album was in 2017, Control, so hopefully she's actually going to make a full album sometime this year. That'd be great. Uh, the track she's yes. handed out, she's she's done a lot of collaborations and done work on soundtracks, but the, the track she's actually released, uh, I Hate You, Few Mejor with Kaliuchis, um, who was another artist I've recommended on the show before. Kiss Good. Me More with Doja oh, Cat, yeah. Good Days, and Hit Different with, with a bunch of different artists. Um, Good Days is, is my yeah. favorite of the smattering of tracks that's yeah. been released. It's very good. Um, I, I went back and listened to Dookie because I haven't probably listened to Dookie oh. in totality in like 10 years. And I've heard that album so much. It's like one of those things you're like, I know, I got it. I know it backwards and forwards. And that is true. But it really reignited me wanting to play just easy guitar. I was like, I you know, I got into the weeds so much for playing guitar where you just like disappoint yourself because you're trying stuff that's way too hard for you. And then you don't understand why you can't do it well i was like let me just learn every song on dookie because it's only power chords yeah. and it should be fine so i've I mean, two songs in and i'm just gonna that's my goal my guitar goal is just being able Fuck to play yeah. dookie backwards and forwards maybe even singing and playing that'll be my if billy joe oh. can do it i can do it <laughs> TV movies wise, we started watching The Witcher. We're like a couple episodes into the second season. It's good, but definitely not as good as everybody says it is. It's definitely not on par with Game of Thrones. We finally finished Warrior Nun. That was like two years in the making for some reason. I couldn't get through the first season. The second season's coming out at some point. It was fine. Um, I guess I recommend it. <laughs> uh, the show Pen15, I also put off watching because it looked like something I would not enjoy. It is so fucking funny. Uh, the characters are the same exact age as I am, but it's set in the year 2000, so they're 12 years old, uh, 13 years old. But the the two women that created the show and star in the show are 34, and they're playing 12-year-olds. It's not like so pe- they got actors who are 12 to play themselves. They are 30 years old, and everyone else in the show is 12, and it's fucking amazing it's it's so funny it's really like one of the most last out loud shows i've ever watched i think it's just because it's so nostalgic obviously instantaneously for oh, people well, that it's are our age. Perfectly so it's like age. yeah yeah, yeah. Um, i watched don't look up that. that movie on netflix that everybody's talking about oh yeah it was also fine it wasn't like groundbreaking sure. but it was fine um i watched free guy which is basically uh a better version of ready oh, ready player ones, one right. um oh yeah yeah and it's Ryan Reynolds. Or? Yeah, Ryan Reynolds. And it's got the woman from Killing Eve that I can't ever remember her name. I feel bad. She, but um, yeah, she, it's it's fine. It was really formulaic, really, really formulaic. Like in that it's like, here's the good guy. Here's the bad guy. This is how this is going to go. Like you see it coming from a mile away. So uh, but it's funny. Not yeah. not Deadpool funny, but funny. And uh, The Matrix 4 is a pile of shit. Don't watch it. Oh, wow. OK. Hello. I watched the video on The Matrix 4 about it. Spoiled the whole thing. Yeah, I mean, my my recommendations, a couple things, a couple books. Like I said, I read Bad Religions, Do What You Want. Very cool. Re-listen to the entire discography. There's a movie coming out based on a book that I actually won on the website Goodreads back in the day called Meet Me in the Bathroom, Rebirth in Rock and Roll in New York City, 2001. Right, yeah. 
So I got that. You talked about that before. Yeah. And uh, so I just read it for the first time. I just did it. And excellent. So it's about the Strokes, LCD Sound System, The Rapture, all those bands from the early 2000s. And they're making a movie, which just premiered at Sundance and apparently is really good. So I think whenever it comes out, Kelly, whenever I'm back there, we should watch the movie because... Yeah, I mean, it's it was a great book, and it was it's just an oral history, so you're just reading it from the bands that were taking place there. Um, and then I read a book called Liberty is Sweet, The Hidden History of the American Revolution by Woody Holton. He's great. The book is great. Highly recommended. Crazy. I listened to only a few albums. There's not been a whole lot of stuff coming out in January. That's probably heresy because um, there's probably great stuff I don't know about. But to Met, um, they came out with a new album. This is the band from like North Africa doing that music. I was listening to right before the pandemic. Um, the album's called A Boogie. A A B O O G I, and it's very low tempo. It's not really like that kind of like rock the way that the other records were, but it just made me think about those months right before the pandemic and what I was listening to. So I went back and like looked at Last FM to see the records that had come out just before the pandemic. So that was really weird. And a band uh, that came up on my Discover Weekly, uh, their name is Pronoun, and the album is Oh My God I Made It from 2021, and I was really good really catchy and sweet and crazy enough. I watched a couple movies. I don't watch wow. a lot of movies. I know this is crazy. Uh, suicide squad, the suicide squad. So fucking good. Great. Right. Oh my so God. Funny. So funny. So great. Rebecca has been watching the peacemaker or whatever the Cena show. Oh yeah. And she says it's fucking great. I watched the 20th anniversary Harry Potter show where they, they read like interviewed that? all the on HBO max on new year's day. They all I got together. I for, saw something. All got together to talk about the movies, so it was really sweet. It, it, seeing all of the main characters together in Hogwarts, which they're, I guess, preserving as a oh, set, weird. it was really cool. And uh, Rupert and Emma, you know, uh, it was really sweet. I don't think that they talk very often, so they had a really sweet just them on a couch and, like, holding hands, and, of course, you're like, oh, my God, this is so sweet. And just Daniel Radcliffe, <laughs> like, I just, I thought about Buffy a lot. I thought about Sarah Michelle Gellar was just, like, not into mm-hmm. being Buffy, and it was just so refreshing that... Daniel Radcliffe probably went through that really, really quickly. I mean, he has where he's like, I need to leave Buffy or leave Buffy. I need to leave Harry Potter. But now he can already embrace it. And I think that that's really positive for him. And hopefully people like Sarah Michelle Gellar are probably an influence on him of just what it could be like where you sour really hard on something. And it probably makes your life miserable. I mean, she is probably a, a mild case, but I know there's tons of actors out there that just get pigeonholed and never and are so resentful of it. So I'm glad that he is not resentful. And he just seemed to be having a blast. Uh, I don't know if you've seen Knives Out with Daniel Craig. And, yeah. Yeah. Station uh, and I watched that So time. fun. Another fun fucking movie. I love having fun. Did you know that movies are fun? They can just be fun. Sometimes. Sometimes they can be. Yeah, it's just a great little murder mystery romp. So good. And then finally, from 1973, uh, our friend Christine um, who's a little bit older, she recommended The Last of Sheila. I don't know if you've ever watched that. It's on YouTube TV mm-hmm. for free, so you can watch it on YouTube TV. But it's just another murder mystery type of thing. Um, his wife, Sheila, got murdered. But it's very 1970s, so it's like obviously an older movie. All right, Kelly, after that long meandering episode about infidels and other songs that could have been on infidels and really putting us into a, into a corner here on a, on a really long episode, we have to pick next week's episode. I mean, you thought we would end because we listened to Blind Willie McTell, but that's a joke because Blind Willie McTell will never show up for a long time. 
So in between that time, before we get to Blind Willie McTell again, we have to fill it with other songs by Bob Dylan. So we left last year, everybody kind of in a lurch, and we took off like the entire summer and fall and winter. And we were picking songs. We were picking we songs, which we're going to try not to do to you this year. Uh, no promises. And if you, uh, we were picking songs based on words. You were doing a random word generator. I thought that was fun. Nobody complained. So let's do it again. And if they did. We don't, we don't we didn't. cow to the whims of our, our fans. That's not true. If you want to give us a dollar, I'll do pretty much whatever you want. I mean. Oh, yeah. Money money talks. If you send us a dollar <laughs> and says and say, stop doing it, we'll stop. I mean, there's not even a question. Yeah. Um, well, we'll change this into a, a Prince podcast. Dude. Fuck it. Just start over. Yeah. Fine. Yeah. Just let us know. Give us that buck. Kelly, what are the words we want to look up today? Okay. Do you want me to just give you all five or you want to do... We'll do one, one at a time. Look. Okay. First one is n- nail. Uh, okay. Nail. Yeah, we got a couple nails here. So that's a good chunk. There's one, two, three. There's seven songs for nail. Uh, the word random showed up on the random, random. word generator. Which Whoa. I feel like is illegal. <laughs> okay, illegal. Also illegal. Or, sorry, illegal is not the word. Random is also not there. So no random. Okay. What about outfit? Outfit has nothing. That's a cute outfit on you. No, nothing. Really? Huh. By the way, that's a cute outfit and a yeah. style so hard to resist. Yeah, come on. It rolls off the tongue. Uh, attachment. Nada. Let me see if attach is on here. Damn. There's one attach, but we're not going to do that. It doesn't count. Okay. And the last one. And this one's got to be a million, so we might have to just go with nail. Uh, yeah. Give. Oh, God. Uh, give is going to give me... Oh, uh, 70 plus songs. Yeah. yeah. So. All right. Nail it is. This is good. So there's a there's a couple on here. Some big ones, some small ones. Uh, Yeah. OK. I don't know. How do, how do we do this? So you got to give me the lyric. Uh, The Fiend Nail Time Bombs. The nail Time Bomb. Hmm. Yeah. OK. That's very. And this one's uh controversial, but nailed in their coffins in top hats and tails. This one will sound familiar, so you might want to steer clear of this one. Say one more stupid thing to me before the final nail is driven in. Uh, it's well, cute there ain't that you no think I know. Going back. When the foot of when that... pride? Is that this? Is that... Oh, I'm sorry. I was just singing a song in my head. <laughs> okay. um, the next one is It Can Cause One Man to Sleep on Nails. Finally, the last one, and nailing her to the ruins of her pettiness. Wow. Ooh, oh, yeah, that's a toughie. That's a toughie. All <laughs> right, so I kept one of them off because we spent a lot of time here, and one of them is a famously long song uh, that will take a lot of talking. So we're going to not do that to the listener. So uh, out of those six songs, which one are you gravitating towards? Maybe give me a top two. Uh, the the fiend nail time bomb thing. I don't know. It's interesting because I don't know what the hell's going on there. And then okay. um, the I don't know, nailing runes to her, of her pettiness. Is that idiot wind? I, I can't I can't say, but that's a great guess. Okay. Well, then I uh, one of those two. I'll say that it's not. It, it's not idiot wind. Okay. But those are between the two. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, all right. I want to do fiend nail time bomb because I want to know the context for that. Oh, okay. So you're gonna you're gonna not go with the other one. Okay, fair. I don't know. The other one feels too uh, much. I'm scared of the other one. (laughs) The other one is scary. The other one is (laughs) is scary. scary. Uh, 
Well, it's one that like it's just it's so depressing. Uh, okay, uh, so yeah, the puppets he rocks the fiend nail time bombs. The fiend's nail time bombs. I don't even know what we're talking about here, but the song is called "Farewell Angelina," which we might have heard. This is from the 1960s we would have heard it on well no because we didn't listen to the cutting edge so if you listen to the whole cutting edge it's on there um this was recorded during the bringing it all back home sessions so we will listen to it it was recorded on january 13 1965 and we have one version farewell angelina Angelina. the bells of the crown yep so that's a great song all right kelly you good with that yes farewell angelina okay i'll talk to you then goodbye